0: Broadcasting live. This is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars.
1: I like to smoke them like the Christian Churchill, yeah. Like John Kennedy. Yeah. Remember, Coach Red i pumped up for victory. Yeah. Well,
2: you can take my wife, you can take my car, but you can take my. Now are we on? I hope we're on, I can't tell.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're on, I'm sorry. <laughs> Good morning to all our loyal fans, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I'm your host today of the KMA Talk Radio, uh, Honest Abe with my cohorts, our trusty... Uh, Italian scallion, the producer Paul. Well, actually, not the producer. <laughs> I, I get used to that No, now. former producer. Former producer Paul, the Italian scallion, and our uh, South Paul from South Philly, uh, Alex Tavella. What's oh, going me,
2: on? My, my mia. Oh yeah, What's right. Up, that that's how much
0: in my head forever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I saw Randy Bush pop on, so I had to let one out for him.
0: Seriously, uh, we got an epic show for you today. Uh, legend legendary person legendary family in our industry uh, Carlito Fuente, and uh, he'll be coming on later on and I believe his daughter Liana at some point will be coming on so um, it should be a pretty pretty cool show a lot of history a lot of fun a lot of hopefully great stories to be shared today um, other than that Paul how's it like I'm just curious how's it like being back home after all that time away
3: you know uh, it's, uh, it's weird because we were in these big giant houses up there. And then we come back to our little Florida house. Uh, we started house shopping this week already.
0: <laughs> you've been crying, you've been crying to me all week.
2: Paul, how yeah. I have?
3: need your opinion. Uh, we were up there for how... just over three months. Yeah. It was a long time, but, uh, we were ready to come home. For sure
0: so I'm lighting an Opus X um, that I believe was from my opening order um, when I first became and you know got opened up to sell Opus X which I'm going to venture to say is 2000 2001 maybe
3: so how does it work you have to get you have to get approved to, I'm not, to sell
0: Opus, I'm not sure what the process is today because you know I've been I've been an appointed Opus X merchant forever, um, but back in the day, um, Wayne Suarez, who was um, Cynthia's ex husband, he was kind of like in charge of the Opus X account. So uh, if you even were thinking about getting Opus X. He would literally go to that location personally to look at your store, to see how you operated before they even contemplated opening you up for Opus X. What do you got there? (laughs) (laughs) This this is literally whatever Opus X I have in this humidor, 90% of them, are are ones that I had grabbed on my opening order because I was still like a major cigar geek. So I had to make sure I had my allotment of them personally. But I never Don't get you around.
3: have never a cigar? Think. Don't you have a cigar that Carlito made you for one of your kids or something? You, well, you were tell me about a really cool cigar or he, box he, or something. He,
0: he did. He did make. He did make uh, for my first daughter actually, and we still have it. It's just a, a, a box of uh, Opus that was celloed with my daughter's name on it. So we're gonna crack that open on her 18th birthday. But see if it's somewhere close by because he did do it is. I got these two after I got married. And if, and if you know my wife, you'll appreciate the artisan and the cigars. But he sent me these two cigars when I got married, which I still haven't smoked. And he, and I was told he called them the Abe and the Brandy.
3: Oh, that's <laughs>
2: cool. <laughs> You've showed me that before. Yeah. I've never seen that, actually.
0: Yeah, they're like box-pressed BBMFs with... Different tips and if you know who my wife is or my wife, you'll understand the That's hysterical. So Yeah, stuff like that, it's hard to ever smoke, man. It's just kind of like collectible stuff you put in there and you just kinda of hold on to it like keep safe. Yeah. Stuff, yeah.
3: You know?
0: So so how how have the kids been how have the kids been adjusting coming back home? They they have they realized they were somewhere else for a while or yeah.
3: My, my son, the, the two-year-old, he, Axel keeps asking to go to my mom's house or to Guy's house. That's her mom. That's what he calls her mom. So he doesn't, I don't think he quite realizes that, like, we're not as close to them anymore. Uh, I'll be honest, you're going to make fun of me, but the, the person that had the heart or the, the family member that had the hardest time uh, adjusting fr- uh, from us getting back was Nala the dog. I don't think she's in here. She she's like she was like a mental case since we've been back. Like he, uh, freaking out, anxiety all over the place, scared of pieces of paper, like I but don't know, she just like
0: Isn't this the dog that's already like kind of a mental case? Like, didn't you say like she's got like major anxiety issues at one
3: time? I remember Yeah, were- she she's on she's on Prozac, doggy Prozac. So, <laughs> is she really?
0: So I just I just want to be clear. <laughs> you're not kidding. You give your dog Prozac.
3: It's it's called reconcile but it is a it is a, a smaller dose of the same Prozac that they would give to people.
0: And this is because for your anxiety. dog. Does
3: what? Yeah, she's got anxiety. They give it to dogs for separation anxiety. She doesn't have that.
1: Just she's walk just walk your like... dog.
2: I mean I
3: feel walk.
1: like if you
2: probably walk we the do. dog. <laughs> no, I, I dog. would be a, little, it a little more chilled out. <laughs>
1: what what what
0: does your dog do that makes you feel like you need to give her a Prozac?
3: I, if she was in here, I could show you. She's she's like scared of everything, right? So she's been off her pill for two days because we had to have another vet prescribe it up in New York the because they wouldn't re-prescribe it down here. The dog's off like, her <laughs> meds. Yeah, she's off her meds for a couple days, and, and so he, she's. You can't make this shit up. Listen, yeah. the Roomba is running right now, and she's shitting her pants. I'm not. I, I'm sure she's she's here somewhere. She's just like. Hiding out because she hears it in the other room, and she's terrified of the Roomba. So that's a whole big thing. When when that starts running, she gets all anxious. She like hides in a quarter, goes in the fetal position, freaking out. You so know, I didn't mean to
0: say that, but you know, they say dogs are often reflective representations of their
3: owners. Oh Jesus! Here we go. All right.
0: I'm just saying. That's what I've heard.
3: You know, we have a really awesome guest in today. I since I've been on the show, <laughs> he hasn't been here. So I'd like to get off of me. Right, and, well, well, uh, and I talk want to
0: talk about, about a couple other things first. Hold on. How about LeBron? Okay. <laughs> How about LeBron this week, smoking the the cigar uh, after the championship. But I don't know—is it me or did he look like not a cigar smoker smoking the cigar? Yeah, he
3: a hundred percent right.
2: Right. So, so here's the here's the thing, and I and I did some looking. So it seems like LeBron is a little more of a celebratory smoker. Right. Uh, he was smoking. He was smoking a cigar during the parade. Um, in Miami, I saw a picture of him smoking a Java, like on vacation. Um, so no, he's not like a Michael Jordan kind of cigar smoker, but I i guess occasion. I mean, you could you could just tell, right? I mean, yeah, no, he's not. How a... Somebody holds
0: a cigar how naturally it feels in their hand, where right, it, really it right. How they puff
2: it, right? Absolutely.
0: So yeah, he didn't appear to be uh to be a, a natural cigar smoker. So I mean, I know Paul, you're not really a sportsy guy or not, but um. You know, obviously the whole. I'm
3: office. not i I'm not a basketball game guy unless I go. Like I, I used to go to to Nets games and Knicks games a lot, and I, I would I get into the sport. I for I just can't watch it on TV for some reason, but I love love going to a basketball game live.
0: But going I really do. Event, going to any sporting event live is an experience other than watching it on TV. That's the whole.
3: Yeah, thing. yeah, that's that's my that's my thing. I mean, I'll watch football when the Giants are on down here, although it's it's been. You know, I may need to take some of the Prozac with the way they've been playing late uh, lately.
0: <laughs> but you know, obviously the big argument this week, once again, it, it never seems to go away. This poor guy's probably going to live the rest of his life. Is LeBron considered a goat? What do you think, Alex?
2: Um, I say, I'm going to have
0: some partialness go. no matter what. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to. You are. Yeah, so I, you know, my opinion doesn't count.
2: Here's my argument against LeBron being the goat. I'm going to throw a couple names out: Reggie Miller. Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Karl Malone, John Stockton. These are all Hall of Fame players. They're all does top he belong 50 in that group? NBA players. They're all top fifty NBA players. None of these guys have championship rings for the simple fact that they played in the Michael Jordan era. The only <laughs> reason these guys <laughs> under LeBron, everybody's got everybody got a ring. Kevin Durant got a ring. Steph Curry got a ring. Tim Duncan. You know the guy's four for ten in the finals. You know it's four championships. He lost six. It's it's not. Thanks, Coop. The goat argument is stupid. Yeah, Coop. Um, Coop. Not, yeah, just, he's
3: just
0: Coop, Coop is officially going to be the Debbie Downer of any any topic. He right. really is. He right. really is. You know, but you can't. Well, keep, he's right. No, no, but you can too. Because I'm going to tell you why. Forget the statistics but I'm going to tell you because anybody who's ever played sports, right? There's certain things that just are like automatically. Like, you know, if you're president and you really did commit espionage or whatever, you you can't run for president, right? There's no, like, yeah, well, you know, it was just this country, you know. When you walk off a court, I don't care if you played sports. If you walk off a court before the game's over and you ain't being taken out in a stretcher, for me, that you you automatically disqualified from being considered anything of great status. Because that's just, I think part of being great is your attitude and your leadership on the court as well. And... You know, I, I I questioned that before, but after seeing that walk off this, this this
2: last I series, just, I just feel like I just feel like he lobbies too much to be the goat. Like, give me my respect. You know, uh, you know, well, if you're the goat, insecurity. you don't have you don't. Yeah, you I mean, security. Yeah, I mean, look, look. I was looking at a story. I was reading a story last night about uh Michael Jordan and and Reggie Miller playing and. Reggie was talking a lot of shit, and then Michael, like, shut him down the entire second half. It was like, Mike Jordan looked like 40 to Reggie's two. And after the game, Mike went up to Reggie and said, don't ever talk shit to black Jesus. You know, that's that's goat mentality, not please give me my respect.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he, I, I, honestly, any, anybody who's been a great – I mean, look, you can't question he's a great athlete, hands down. But I think anybody who's, like, been a great athlete during and post the Michael Jordan era is going to be living in that shadow. Right. Yeah. So, I, I, just, I just got a text from Carlito because we just lost him before the show. Believe it or not, um, they had a blackout in Santiago. So, is he on right now? Because I can't tell. Yeah, he's on.
3: There. I see I see him. He's on. He's ready okay. to go when we're ready. Good.
0: Now that he's back on, let's do proper introduction. Starting in Tampa in 1912, Arturo Fuente Cigars have become one of the greatest historical families in the cigar business and distributes over 30 million cigars a year. It let's everyone give up a warm welcome to the man himself. Carlito Fuente Jr. There he is. What's hey. up, my
1: friend? Good morning, everyone. That's great to be here. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, we're, we're we're so honored and pleased you can join us. Look at that amazing array of hats you have. How many hats do you own? I have one <laughs> less
1: because I just gave one away that you're you gonna pick the winner. Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, I was I went to visit my children in Boston and I'm listening to Paul, and I'm going, Oh my God. I guess. You decided to come back to Florida when now, when it, it's going to be a change of weather. But I left the <laughs> Dominican Republic, which is hot as hell, and uh, <laughs> arrived in Tampa for meetings. I was there the weekend working, and Tampa was unbearable because the Dominican Republic, you got that tropical breeze And no matter what, it cools right. you down, just get in the shade. But Tampa was just unbearable. So I arrived in Boston to see my children who I haven't seen in months, who are I have my two youngest ones are living there now in, in school. <laughs> And when I got off that plane, that cool breeze just caressing my cheeks, you know, and all of a sudden I take out my, my, my Laurel Piano Buffon and I wrap it around. It just, you know, I, I felt like a, it's just so secure. It just reminded me of, uh, you know, fall when I was growing up in Florida and that first breeze hits you, you know, it's football seasons, the girls, you know, the, the wild turkey, you know, hidden in a little plastic thing so the Teachers won't find it, you know, go to a high school <laughs> game. But, but you know, it was just great. And I spent the three, four of the best days of my life with my children sitting outside, beautiful weather. But the only downfall that for four days, four entire days, I couldn't find a place to smoke a cigar. Oh, it, yeah. It's it's That's just hard. hard. That's Massachusetts. Yep. It's, as a matter of fact, I just couldn't believe it. You know, you don't realize, uh, you know, the state of prohibition that we're, that we're facing now. I literally said. Fuck it. I sat down on the sidewalk and I lit a cigar by myself. I, I really sat against the wall, you know, and I didn't have any cans or my hat wasn't open so people dropped money or anything like that. <laughs> but I, I go, I light my cigar, and within three minutes, I have someone coming up. They're going to give you a citation if you don't pull it out. Somebody just called. So I guess. So really? I was like, what, man? You know, I thought to myself twice, maybe this is good to get arrested. You know, this gives me a reason to go. You know, maybe get invited by Tucker or Hannity, you know, to talk about it. I was got, gonna say oh, it would, it would sure got be got headline. <laughs> yes. And uh, but but anyway, no. So um I'm back in the DR and um it's gonna be back. But talking about the hat, I flew back, I went through Miami and I saw Alan and we had uh, the hat I've been wearing for quite a while. You can see this was brand new, it's not even shaped yet. I shaped my own hats and everything. Wow. This one still this one still has the original starch and everything it's like it's hard and then they soften up once i shape them but i had my hat and alan i called him up i said alan i need a favor you got to get this hat over to melanie cisco like now you know and uh because we have a commitment and abe is doing this thing and you know he's such a generous man and gonna raise some money and the the hat i was asked if i would give the hat during one of the shows so uh i was very reluctant i don't give my hat but but yes, it was there. So I just got back. I have a new hat, but it's good to be on the show. It's been, um, I'm just happy to be here. It's been a long time, Abe. I think I was on one of your first shows of second show know. ever. I, I do remember that we spoke about the hurricane and how the farm had been destroyed. That's what yeah. I do remember because yeah. you know, sometimes you associate a frame of time right. with, with pain or celebration. Yeah. And, uh, it was a painful time to me. And I remember the questions about the, uh, the hurricane and the Chateau de Fuentes. So. If I'm not mistaken, it could have been 1998, maybe 1996. I don't know when you started, but, but it was quite a, a quite a few, but we've had so many, uh, obstacles and so many confrontations yeah, and, and, uh, how do you call it, uh, tragedies, you know, uh, na- natural tragedies and so forth that it could have been a lot of different subjects that we were touching that day. But no, I, yeah. do, I do, I do remember and I appreciated that you consider me as, uh, you know, be one of your first guests on the show. Oh, we
0: we loved it, and and you know that was back before we had video. That's when everything was just simply only audio back then. So, we, you know, now to have, actually have you here, like you know, almost like you know, in person, is kind of great to be doing it on video. And we have a lot to discuss today, and um, we're going to get Liana on in the second half to talk about the the awesome job she did with raising money for the cancer foundation, and, and we're going to talk about that. But I want to start with your beginnings, right? Because I mean, you guys had some real humble beginnings. Your your, your grandfather Arturo came to Tampa. And what was it, about 1912
1: from Cuba, yeah? Well, he came to Tampa a couple of years earlier, but he, he came to Key West in 1906. Uh, it was 1905, 1906. The older I get, the more that I think it was 1906. I said the other day, 1905. And then I started checking myself and my mind, and I think it's 1906. He was at the age of 15. He came from Havana wow. to Key West to make cigars. They have gone to, fa- he's from, originally from Guiness in the province of Havana is a rural area outside of Havana just like about 20 25 minutes away it's where the first train tracks were built in Cuba and it was the area with all the vegetables tobacco at that time it was for all the trading and so forth uh you know when um, when Spain you know when Spain it was still a a Spanish colony and um that area my well it was during the Spanish-American war all the families you know had a very difficult time they were peasants they were Tobacco growers, they made cigars, not a, a a national, international brand, but at that time they were just commodities. They made cigars and they would sell it to the soldiers or the local people or trade it for food or whatever. And uh, my brother my grandfather had nine brothers and sisters, and uh they had they had moved to Key West because Key West was the bo- the booming industry for cigars. Remember the the industry, uh, the the cigar industry at one time was in Key West. It was huge. Uh, people from Cuba, Spain and everything, they set up factories in Key West because they had access to the largest market in the world, which was the northeast of the United States and the Midwest, Chicago, of course. So all the Cuban factories and factories in Spain were in Key West. So my, bro- my grandfather's older brothers and sisters, several of them, had moved to Key West years earlier to make cigars so they could help the struggling families uh, save some money and send some money back home for the family. And my grandfather at the age of 15 actually went to key west was just you know whatever he could pack in a little backpack or whatever they used to travel with back then was on the ferry and his mission was to go to key west and to find his brothers and sisters so he arrived there and uh and he started working they were all cigar makers started working at the gato factory at the gato factory and um you know it's part of history and then you know all of a sudden the railroad is finished in Tampa which was a plant uh, build, a, finish the railroad before Flagler did to, and then all the industry moved to Tampa because Tampa had the access to be able to get to the Northeast. And Tampa Bay is a natural port and it's on the Gulf of Mexico. And if you look at Havana on the map, it's on the Gulf of Mexico. People think of Miami with the Cuban community, but that's after the revolution, you know, with the, with the Castro revolution. But before Tampa was the huge Cuban community and it was the cigar capital of the world, As a matter of fact, uh, they went to Tampa because first, the railroad was built there first. And second, because Key West, people think that the tobacco and cigars were the biggest industry. But their biggest industry was the shipwreck industry. This Key West is surrounded completely. That's why when you go there, you know, I love to go there with Alan go for my pirate brother. We walk the streets and, you know, we look at all these things with the pirates and all that. And that's what it was the island of pirates. That's why the theme of pirates is so popular there for tourists. Because There's Key more West,
3: shipwrecks there than I think any other concentration in the world. <laughs> correct?
1: I'm not Outside sure. Of I, Key West, you, you, Paul, you, you're very much good in the information. I am, but I do know that that I've heard many times going to tours and everything, and, and studying Key West history. It's surrounded by a lot of reefs, so those wooden boats right. would hit the reefs, and people they were scavengers right. would be waiting just to you know to pick up whatever the shipwreck was. So yeah, T- yeah. Tampa, Tampa Bay is a natural port. So it was only natural. You know, if you go straight and you see Havana right in Tampa Bay, you got Louisiana and Tampa Bay, it was a natural. So all the tobacco would come in as cigar makers. And Tampa boomed to it was things that blow people's mind. And, um, you know, we, I was just talking the other day to Benjamin Menendez, which is one of the last, you know, the greatest Cuban legend heroes in the cigar industry. And uh, we were talking about the days of Tampa. He was interviewed on Meet the Professor. And people... Find it hard to believe that Tampa during the 20s and 30s made 500 million cigars of Cuban tobacco. That's more than Nicaragua, Honduras, Jamaica, Mexico, Cuba, Dominican Republic. Wow. You know, think about that. That was Tampa. You had factories in Pennsylvania. You had factories in Cleveland, in Ohio. You have factories in New York. You have other factories in you know Florida. This was Tampa. That's how big the industry was. It was a culture. It was a way of life. Everything was tobacco. your neighbors were all cigar makers. Uh, every corner had cigar factories was well, you know that's that's the uh, cradle where I was born. That's my earliest memories and then
0: and then he started he started the company in nineteen twelve Is that what yes, it that's
1: correct yes, after Tampa started booming, he got you know, my grandfather went there just to save some money and help his family and eventually go back to Cuba and uh um, he saw what was happening in Tampa and he He had an offer to move to Tampa. My grandfather was a young man, good cigar maker. And he moved to Tampa and he became partners with Victor Diaz. And Victor Diaz in history, that's why we go back a long time, is Janito Oliva's grandfather. It's it's Mecca Diaz's father. Yes, that was my grandfather's partner. He brought my grandfather. uh, Victor was an entrepreneur, businessman, I believe. If I remember my memory serves me right. He was an accountant, and everything businessman, but he needed a blender cigar maker. And he partnered with my grandfather and they started a fointing company in 1912. And they were doing really, really well. They got up to 500 cigar makers for what I was always told. And what I saw in all the old uh, documents and the papers and everything, there was a huge fire in 1924. While my grandfather was in Cuba, he used to go for months during the tobacco season and to visit family and tobacco because it took a long time to organize the tobacco back then. Remember, it was put in wooden ferries or whatever ferries to send to Tampa. So he would spend months. And during that time, the factory completely burned down and my grandfather lost everything. Everything. Wow. So that was our first big tragedy. It, okay. seems, it seems like with a lot
0: of the historic families that have been around for many, many years, unfortunately, is always tragedy. I mean, I think that's what kind of makes the families historic, is getting through those tragedies. You
1: know, Well, uh, you know, thinking back, I said the word tragedy, but I look back now, and and for me, you know, three generations later, and for my children, four, it's, it's, it became an opportunity, because it's part of a story, a real story of blood, sweat, and tears. And it's something that is, is so, it's so forceful, that it's really what we pass down to our children is all the sacrifices and the perseverance never to give up and for the family to stick together and the strength of of the family. And whether the family is your direct uh, heritage and lineage or your family or your friends or the people who are part of your community or your extended family, it's family, it's people who stick together for one cause, one belief, and it really becomes a force I, I believe that too. I've always said that
0: uh, adversity is one of the key ingredients to any greatness. So I, I think Absolutely. that you know, it's hard to achieve any level of greatness without some adversity. I think it's, it's a component of what makes things or people great. So
3: well, how um, can you become great if you don't know what it's like to go through adver- adverse times? Really? I mean, that's, I agree. It builds character with people and it, and it builds stronger companies because, you know, you know, you've gone through the worst that, that you could possibly imagine. And and here we are now in, in this day and age and
1: we, we don't we don't ever say things like that <laughs> no Paul we, we don't say to go through the worst you never now, know. You know, I was just
0: thinking the same thing man it could be, you know don't go there don't, right. the I guess it could always it be worse. worse you're right
1: you're right it right. could <laughs> like, always but, be worse but right,
0: things- right there is a sign of someone who hasn't had that much adversity <laughs> <Because>
1: <laughs> anyone who had any real adversity in life never thinks like that no not at all. <laughs> You you know, the the snake could bite you twice if, you know, if you survive. I play adversity. My dog's on Prozac. Yeah, that's (laughs) your
0: level of adversity. You're a depressed dog.
1: First world
3: problems.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, earlier I was was fascinated listening to you speak about uh, Michael Jordan and so forth. But you talk about adversity and challenges and everything, growing up with his older brothers and, and everything. But he just fought his way through and just never gave up. And uh, became the greatest in the world. I I watched his documentary with my son, and um, I learned so much just by watching it. it. Just motivated you to see someone that was never satisfied. That perfection didn't exist, and I think we could apply it to our home lives. We could apply that to our business lives, or to our to our personal lives uh, in any way. Perfection doesn't exist, and we're human beings. We realize that that we just we we strive for that moment. It's just. I've always used the example because uh, I was a big Michael. I am a big Michael Jordan fan. I always use the example that perfection doesn't exist, and use Michael Jordan that he could be right under the hoop, and this is a game-winning shot, and he goes right under the goes, and it just spins around, spins and spins and spins, and boop, falls off. But yet he could be on the other side of the court almost, and just like the buzzer's gonna ring, he throws in and goes, swoop, it right. goes right in. And Michael knew that, and he always fought every time to make sure that he would reduce the amount of misses. And not, you know, by knowing that he was human, he would error. It wasn't like, how could I make more shots? No, it's how could I reduce the missed shots? And uh, that's, I think, we all apply to our lives. So, you know, I am far from, uh, you know, I, I error so much. But I realized that in my business world, you know, we're just constantly trying to improve things and make less errors because we realize we error every moment of the day yeah i think i think will smith said it once that um i
0: think well, i mean i heard him say it i don't know if he was the originator of the comment but you know failure is the key element to success you, you have the difference is you just have to make sure you fail forward you know don't feel backwards you feel forward when you fail you move forward from the failure you know and, and that's part of any a Success story, but you're know, talking about great families and, and the tradition of your family and humble beginnings i mean I, I read somewhere that the family was actually rolling cigars in the kitchen in the early days. was that true?
1: yes, it was it was uh, it listen it's possible it was in the kitchen, but the factory was the the door that was continued from the kitchen so <laughs> basically yes, cigar makers <laughs> maybe they need a little bit of water for you know, for, for the wrappers to put on the little, whatever, little cloth, because the wrapper's getting dry because it got cold as shit in Tampa during the winter, and it wow. was just, you know, kerosene hand uh, uh, heaters. So I'm sure a cigar maker would go there, my grandma's kitchen, just turn on the faucet, get some tap water and squeeze this cloth and take, yeah, it was all, but one thing that I do remember, I mean, you had the kitchen, then you had the little dining, you just walked from one place to the other, dining room, and then you had you had the living room, and then you had the porch where everybody used to congregate in the sidewalk, people walk by, they go to the porch, you had the, you had the rocking chairs and everything. And then you had the living room. And I remember because I remember having the measles there, I remember having the moms there and trying to watch uh, Mickey Mouse, and my eyes were burning and I was crying. I remember two, three years old, four years, old, I went through those things. So I lived there. And they used to take out the furniture of my grandmother's <laughs> living room. And they would take it out to the street, to the front, all the front. I mean, wow. we, were, we were a humble family. It wasn't that much furniture with all the, my, you know, the uncles, the cousins, you know, the neighbors. And then back then we made a lot of short filler cigars. And short filler, when you blend, you get the tobacco from one country, another country, different parts. And you open those cartons that they come in when they ship them or bales and you loosen it all up. And then you have to get the pitchforks. You like, you know, you get them, you loosen up and you get pitchforks and you throw it against the wall. And then you throw wow. the other one and you start, everybody gets a different bale, and you start, that's how you blended it. with wow. six against the wall <laughs> and then from one side of the room to the other side of the room and there's all this <laughs> dust. And I remember all the men, they used to like, you know, wear the white handkerchief. they get a handkerchief tied up so they could breathe. Wow. But they used to do this for what, four or five hours to do the blends then they put it back already blended inside the cases or the boxes. And then uh, they you would go there and they would clean up all the living room and put my grandmother's furniture back in. Oh, my God. Those are the humble beginnings. Yes, that is so true. That is awesome. Um, what eventually
0: led to the move to DR? I mean, I, I, mean, I know you've probably talked about this over, many times over the years, but, you know, there's always new – I always operate on the assumption there's always new cigar smokers to our, our lifestyle and our passion who may have not heard the story. Um, and the fact that, that that was a move and it was elemental to the success of the company today, the Chateau de la Fuente, what was,
1: how did that whole move develop? Well, that's a long story and I think the program's not that long. But...
2: <laughs> no, no.
1: I mean, and you're right. There are young people coming in to our industry every day. When I say young, there's, you know, 25, 35, 30, whatever. Everything is relative in life and I remember when I thought that 25 was over the hill already. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> So, but there are young people we want all the young people we want the young manufacturers we want the young consumers because they bring so much it they bring so much information and knowledge because they're so curious you know look at paul you know alex they're, the world of information you know they they they're on top of things Absolutely. and all that old school wasn't that way you know old school is whatever we learn when we we're young that's the only thing we retain but um but how did we move to the Dominican republic well first you know my grandfather was forty-six years older than my father. Uh, they were, you know, they were small, humble families, like many, many. There were hundreds in Tampa because you had two hundred major, large factories, but you had in every corner three or four little mom and pop, what they call buckeyes, chinchots. and chinchales. So, uh, how do you know? My father comes in, and my father was of each. You know, if you look at the Fuente documentaries, I think you, you get a feeling for what took place. Father was younger, and he wanted to build a business. He was the first to actually offer credit. My grandfather, you, you no, no, tiki, no washi. If you don't give me the dough, you don't get the buy. he show you the cigar. Go you to know the store, can pay me, and you get the cigars. You know, and, and he carried all the accounts, his entire bank account. He carried in a roll of money, of cash, in a rubber band in his pocket. And my father changed that. So we started growing and growing, and My father had several moves in Tampa, moved to a larger building. Then he expanded that building. And then, um, you know, uh, right before the Cuban embargo or right at the Cuban embargo, we got this building that we're in now, historical building, which was the original Salvador Rodriguez, Charles the Great. Building built in 1895, one of the founders and developer of Ybor City. Uh, that's the building we're now where we have all our offices and so forth, our headquarters. And right across is our, our distribution center. And uh, we're there and we're doing very well. But cigar makers started uh, as they, they 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 started getting into their 70s and everything and started retiring. And uh, they started getting Social Security in their 60s or 65, whatever it was back then. And you imagine you had to go up these stairs and all that. And sometimes in Tampa, it got 40 degrees, 40-something degrees. So these old cigar makers, I mean, they all had arthritis and everything. Look, right now I, I could not play golf or the piano like I used to. You know, it, it happens, uh, you know, with age and everything. They started little by little. We started losing our workforce and we tried for years and years to train people. I mean, I even remember uh, there was a program with the government that they would pay 50 percent and you would pay 50 percent to train people. And it was a time after uh, Vietnam, there was a lot of uh, people coming in from Vietnam from different parts, Cuban immigrants, whatever, you know, from different parts of the world. And we rented uh, Frank and Ness's old building, which was Eden, because we didn't have enough space in our building already, because we had grown so much. And we set a whole handmade operation with the cigar makers we had, which were about 30 at that time, which it doesn't seem like many, but for being Tampa, you know, in the already in the in the seventies, that's a lot of cigar makers, uh, and we had about thirty. So we we built it up to around sixty teaching people. But once they learned to say hello, the next word they learned was say goodbye, and they would have prefer, they preferred to work at McDonald's or at flipping hamburgers or whatever uh, it was they had to do for less money than what they were being paid. But it was more prestigious to become a cigar maker with a bunch of old people who are seven years old sitting across from them in a place working with tobacco. There was just not a culture or there wow. wasn't this thing at that time. So my father started searching. My father was in Mexico for a while. Uh, we partnered with uh, with Jorge, uh, Jorge Ortiz. And I know you probably know that Mr. Ortiz was what a gentleman, a beautiful person. I loved him. Didn't work out. From there, he was in, in, the, uh, in um, he was a short time. He was in uh, Puerto Rico. And from Puerto Rico, tried Jamaica, didn't work. And, a cousin of ours um, from what I mentioned with George Padron the other day, Orlando Garcia, was the biggest distributor in Miami, and um, he came from Cuba, and, we st- and he started with us, and we used to distribute a brand called Moya. Moya was one of the largest selling cigars, but it was an expensive cigar. It was a well-known cigar in the island of Cuba. And my cousin, Orlando Garcia, who was my grandmother's age, who, um, you know, he came from Cuba in 1960, He had visited the Dominican Republic and he came back with a box of cigars and he calls my father, Carlito, wait till you see what I have. I want you to try this because he was our distributor. He was my father's partner. Uh, And it was a box of La Aurora cigars, La Aurora number four. And he said, Dominican Republic, I've been to Puerto Rico. I've been to Mexico. I've been to Central America. I've traveled all over the world, but I've never been to Santo Domingo. It is beautiful. It reminds me so much of Cuba, the palm trees, the people, the, the music, the life. It's, it's beautiful. And they're making cigars there. No one knew about the Dominican Republic back in the 60s if you lived in Florida. Maybe if you lived in the Northeast New York, it was a, a Dominican community after Trujillo or yeah. during Trujillo that had to leave. But no one knew about the Dominican Republic. You knew about Jamaica, Colombia. And, of course, we all knew that we grew up in the 70s and the 60s. You knew about those countries. But no, in Cuba and Puerto Rico, but you didn't know about the Dominican Republic. And brought back the cigars that were beautifully made. And my father, after that said, man, let me see, maybe that's a place I could go. Because at that time we were using Dominican tobacco sold to us by the Mendes family. And I know all of you know, Siegfried Mendes, you know, Fito Mendes, and all that. His grandfather used to supply us with tobacco in Tampa. And I, a matter of fact, that's where I started really my first apprenticeship was living at his grandfather's house back in the, in the early seventies. I used to live, uh, in, uh, in Mr., uh, Moduski's of uh, Fito, which I call him, his grandfather's house, Jose Pepe Mendes. And I used to spend months there and, uh, going to their warehouse and learning how to strip tobacco because my father wanted me to get a, an understanding what tobacco is from the farming the preparation all the way down because living in Tampa, that was not seen unless you were offshore right. in Latin America at that time. So, uh, I mean, even though we had the experience, my father knew there was great tobacco growing because we used it. That was the most expensive, the best tobacco available to us at that time. And I'm not comparing it to other tobacco. We used to use Honduran tobacco. And we used to use tobacco from Brazil and all at that time. And the Cubans who worked the old school, the old timers, my mentors, the tobacco from Santo Domingo was the best tobacco to them, the one that looked more like Cuba, because some of the other tobacco were more aggressive, but Santo Domingo has something that's very special. It's got a sweetness to it. It's, it's got a nobility to it. It's something different. And we know all the different tobaccos are necessary, just like when you cook, you need something that's a little spicy, and you need something that's a little, you know, they all have different elements as they contribute. So my father went to La Romana, because there was a free zone that was being built there. And it was an opportunity for the first time for foreign investment after the, the, the downfall of, of Trujillo, who was a dictator in the uh, in, uh, Dominican Republic, which it was the U.S. Marines were there in 1965. I think all, a lot of you could remember that. Um, so my father went to La Romana. He went to see the office of the free zone and everything. And literally they made his life impossible. They shut them off right away. No, we can't allow cigar making here, this and that. But you got a great cigar brand, and they're in Santiago. And that's the reason I'm here, and I hear this great place, and we're an old family. He was shut down. But what we did not know at that time, that was owned by Golf and & Western. And Golf and & Western had just negotiated with the Calera de Garcia in the Canary Islands, in the Canary Islands, to bring their own factory there. They were not going to let competition in. So my father got discouraged and everything came back to Tampa and all that. And we got a call, of uh, from Mr. I which I'm going to say, you know, these are things that we didn't speak about for many, many years. We never talk about who our godfather is, who our mentor was. Um, uh, we just kept, you know, it was something that you don't talk to people that help you, they help you from the heart. And they didn't want anybody to know because you know, it was an industry of envy of jealousy, no different than now. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, Mr. Oliva calls my father, look, you've been looking for handmade cigars and this and that. There's a little factory in Nicaragua that they have cigars, but they don't have anywhere to sell them. This is accumulating. I think you should go visit them. I'll take you there. So really, we went to Nicaragua just as an exploration and we go to Esteli. There was three factories there at that time. Three. There was. Somosa's factory was Hoya de Nicaragua at that time, still owned by Somoza. And there was got um, René Garcia Pulido. They were made Barlito cigars. Maybe Alan's old enough. I don't know if he remembers Barlito cigars. but uh, And there was Padron. And then there's this little factory. Now, listen to this. Who the owners were, the same owners that built Hoya Nicaragua. It, oh, was, wow. it was Fernando Fotisiella, the tobacco man, the cigar maker, the blender and everything in Hoya Nicaragua. There was Juan Francisco Bermejo, who was the guy, the, the man. I'm sorry to say the guy. He became a very close friend of mine, which I admire and everything. I have great memories. Who was the person who grew the tobacco and sold it to Hoya Nicaragua. And you had, no longer Samosa was there, but before you had Simon Camacho, who was a salesperson, who opened the deals with Oppenheimer and everything, but they had that combination that made the access to the market. So Oliva took my father there and said, you should go there because at least you buy the cigar. Look at them, they're good. You buy them and you at least have cigars to sell. So my father went and said, I want to see his cigars. And my father said, cigars are good. You know, it was the same people, Hoya Nicaragua. And uh, probably a lot of the same tobacco, I would assume, because it was grown by in and Pogonid um, and his farms in, in Paso León. So... We get the cigars, we bring them back to Tampa, we pack them, we do this, sell them. And they freaked out, they couldn't believe it. And all of a sudden, Ben Bemejo who was a very sharp businessman. Uh, he, calls my, he calls Oliva up, he says, oh, we want Carlito, but he used to call my father Carlito. I became the Carlito, but my father was known to all his peers and everything as Carlito. And- It's affectionate um, term. Yes, exactly. It's little Carlos, you know, or whatever, They're all affectionate, you know, like Bobby to Robert or whatever, Bobby, Jimmy to James. But, um, so they called my father down. And they said, listen, you know, we had a, we built the biggest company and we did great with Hoya Nicaragua. You know, we had Simon Camacho, but no longer, he's not here. We can make the perfect team. And I remember that my father didn't want to do it, but I was just said, dad. Come on. You know, I was, my father said, I don't, you know, I don't need partners. I don't believe in partners because sooner or later there'll be a conflict of interest. I had my way of thinking my father, you know, he's, he, he was hesitant, but, I said, Dad, please, we got to do it. I want to hand me cigars. I saw the romanticism. I was like 20 years old or something. And so, man, handmade me cigars, Nicaragua, you know, the adventure. You know, not only that, there were girls, man, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, it was anyway, I saw the way they looked at me. I was 20 years old. I was a hunk. You know, I saw the way they looked at me. I go, bro, I got to come back here. I spent a lot of time in Nicaragua. But, but uh, okay, so my dad said no. Oh, so then Oliva, Angel Oliva Jr., Beachy. Janito's brother, uh, the old man Oliva and all them. My father said, no, man, my father being a smart man, he says, okay, I'll invest if you invest with me. If you believe in this, you invest with me, I'll invest. So our silent partner was the Olivas. And uh, that factory grew from leaps and bounds from nothing. And when we were making about 18,000 cigars, they were expanding to the back and everything. So matter of fact, I just went to the property a year ago and had some photos there man there were tears running down all i mean it was oh. all the stone the part of the brick because everything would burn down and and everything but there was still part of a wall that i remembered and i told the people there's like this vents on the top they're made of cement that you're going to see transparency through like victorian style uh the people who were with me was Cyril. i remember at the rich Stolak and uh felix Mesa. and when we walked to the back and i saw that and they I pointed, i broke down but, um, so we went to Nicaragua, things went really, really well. And here comes the revolution. That day, every factory was burned down. The Garlito factory, or Renega Siapolito's factory, Padrone factory, it was in March, 1978. And our factory was called Don Victor. That was the name because the original, the, the Fotisiella, the person, his brother-in-law, was Victor something was a lawyer, and it was called Don Victor, I don't know why, but that was the name that we inherited. So it was burned down. And we had a lot of friends and everything from there. We lost everything. We went to Honduras for a while. We made cigars with different people. We started different factories. Even the person that made Romeo Juliet, Renberto Garcia, we went to go in a partnership. We started. We we filed and we established a company called Tabacadera Fuente A Fuente Internacion, Internacional. I mean, we were in Honduras for a little while. And um, then in the end, we're with um, Julio Iroa. So this was the last. Who did it all? We're going to partner with them. We're going to do this thing—a factory. This is, this is Christian's father. Christian's, yes. Sir, we go back a long time. Okay. Chris, yeah, yeah, I, somebody, I remember. I remember. Might not know he who he probably, yet. He probably, no, no. They talk <laughs> about the little Pillsbury Doughboy. I remember Christian like running and falling and rolling around. <laughs> I, really, I couldn't believe how he grew up to be such a beautiful, handsome, tall man. He—he he was like a little butterball, and that I, is so funny. Always, always getting in trouble. One time they were looking for my all over. He was inside the washing machine. Yep. But I, I, I used to stay there in that house and everything. And his family, we go back and we're getting ready to start again and do something. And all of a sudden they had a fire. It was where the theater was wow. at. The movie theater was in the park and they had a big fire. We And they, we lost any possibility of a future. Wow. So we go back to Tampa and we we see we see the writing on the wall. And uh we're sitting in Spanish Park restaurant one day my father said, son, you know what? Every day today, two more cigar makers, one pass away. The other one retired. There's no future here. Either we have to really concentrate on making machine made cigars in Tampa or we have to move offshore. We can't stay here. And because this and we have a good business, we still have a big, a good, solid business. We could sell out and we could make good money and everything. And, but you know, the, this, the future is yours. Wow. You guys, without saying much, you bring back, you bring out a lot, man. It's almost, I feel like I'm being psychoanalyzed. I'm sitting in a psychologist chair after drinking a couple <laughs> of Prozac. I and mean, I, you know, if I, if I wasn't sitting you know, on the other side of the world, I would think that Paul puts some Prozac or whatever he calls that stuff. That he <laughs> <is with dogs. laughs> but
0: That's <laughs> Paul. Paul's got the Prozac for his dog. <laughs> Yeah, you
1: know. but, yeah but any, anyway my father was yeah,
0: but that's that's, that's that's pretty that's a pretty deep perspective from a father because i you know i i'm another person because i always admire people who work for their father whether it's forever or even a short period of time and i worked for my father for a half a decade and um that's a pretty amazing perspective for your dad to have you know the future's yours yeah,
1: what do you want to yeah. do Yes, I was young. That's a, it. It's maybe amazing. Maybe 24 years old or 20 something. I don't recall exactly, but yeah, I mean 24 25. We're sitting in Spanish park and he says, you know, the writings on the wall. Either we're going to machine-made cigars, we made more machine, but I know you you're into romanticism, you know, I see you collecting labels, you're constantly reading, looking at the old history. You 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 know always wanted an, always wanted always hung around the old generation, the stories of Cuba the tobacco, it always was, I was hungry for knowledge of the past, and um, I was very disappointed the way the cigar industry was going, how I, I would look at these beautiful photos of boxes with lithography from Havana, from Germany, you know, all these beautiful labels I used to collect and see the boxes and the bands, and everything was getting the cardboard, every cigar band was brown and white, everything was just getting less and less and less, and flimsy, and and I was, it's not the world I wanted to live in. And I wanted to recapture the history and all, so forth. So my father's sitting with me, he says, son, um, you know, what is it you want to do? What is it you want in your life? We could sell out, we still have a good business. If not, if or not, we're gonna have to move to another country. And I'm a Tampa boy, third generation. My father, Tampa's my home. I never really, I went to Nicaragua, but I spent three or four weeks there. I come back to Tampa, my father go. Then when he's not there, I, we went back and forth. So he said, but we're going to have to move. we got to really, because there's no future here. And um, I said, dad, no, this is my life. This is what I want. He says, but we don't have the money. It's going to cost money to go. He says, you have a, a, a little mail order business. My father helped me set up a little mail order business. It was called Ebor City Cigar Company. So I had something to do I, since I was around 17, 18 years old. And I, used, it was a brand called ebor City. Uh, and it was a mail order. I had a few. I remember the I used to knew every customer by name. I used to make the little boxes in the back, you know, packing with wow. the UPS, the different zones where it went. And it was, you know, it, it, I, I had cu- saved a little cash, not much. I think it was eleven thousand dollars or twelve thousand dollars I had in the bank account. And uh my father says, well, we're going to move. You got to be my partner. How much money you have? And uh remember I got all the money. I, yeah, we're going to move that. And my, <laughs> father, my father turned in his all his retirement plans, all his all his insurance, life insurance, uh, turned in every single thing he had. And we went to the Dominican Republic and I became his partner. And that's how, you know, and the rest is future. Went to the Dominican Republic. We arrived and he went first in the late in 1979, late 1979. And in January 1980, he was able to, to get a, locate a building in the industrial free zone of Santiago. And it was just the beginning when nobody even knew where the Dominican Republic was at. And this is the honest truth. And, you know, today Dominican Republic is the number one destination for tourism, uh, and, you know, in Latin America and the Caribbean, but it, nobody even knew the Dominican Republic was 1980. Things were much, much different. And uh, we moved to the Dominican Republic. I moved, uh, I moved late, later on that year, but my father went there without, you know, started from scratch, didn't know anyone, you know, didn't know where to go, what to do. You know, he's telling me stories that he would stay in uh, Hotel Mercedes and he would leave his room, had to walk half a block to go to the bathroom. You know, it was, you know, on, the only one bathroom in the hallway, you know, and it really started again from nothing and just with a dream and hope. We just work, work, work. And we were young. We, I don't think we could do it today. I don't think I would I would have the strength to do it today. We were young, ambitious, and we were adventurous, and we didn't care. We didn't give a shit. We just worked around the clock and every day. All this, and made our first cigars and smoked them, and were so proud of it and everything. You know, seven cigar makers. <laughs> today we got near 3,000 employees. But, you know, but those seven cigar makers were the happiest times of my life. We all slept in a little house. I mean, I'm talking about 15 people. And the, the rooms were small, like two people in a room, some people, four people in a room. Others slept on little uh, sandwiches, what they call them, those beds on the, in the living room. My uncles used to come, my aunts, and we we just... It was one big party, my mother cooking for everyone, and we're all there. There was only two TV channels, and there was nothing to do but watch soap operas. That's how I, I improved my Spanish, because there was only two soap operas, from one from Venezuela and one from Mexico. And then I remember... And that's why I don't watch soap operas. You get addicted to that shit. I got addicted. We, we got to go home. We got to go home The soap opera. We got to go home. The telenovela. The telenovela. Yeah. Gotta got to see it. You got it. Yeah. So it's I funny
0: because I, I, I look back at some of the things I, I did early in my career. And I just think that's part of youth where you're fearless. You know, because I say the same thing. It's like, I don't know how I did that back then. I would never make that kind of move today. Well, it's just, I think early when you're young, you're willing to take these but I listening, great risk, great reward. That's well, how life works. Well, yeah. I tell you
1: one thing, there's also great risk and great luck. I don't say a reward yes. because luck. my my children graduated yeah. from university and they still don't have a car. My, <laughs> my son doesn't have a car. My daughter, only my older daughter, who after got her master's, she was working with Tom James and you know, she had to she had to go visit. She worked in South Florida and and had to sell clothing and it, So I had to get her a car after she got her master's, you know, whatever. But wow. my, my other two children, one is twenty, other twenty-two. They don't have a car. You know why? Because I was fifteen years old with a nineteen sixty-nine GTO with four hundred something horsepowers, and I'm alive because God had a plan for me. Right. I, and I, you know, and I and I know that I don't want my children to, to be as spoiled as I was. I had, you know, it, I had so much, and I was given so much, and I and and it, it would. My father worked around the clock. I never saw my father practically he worked 18, 20 hours a day. Most of the time he slept on the, in the factory. So I don't know if it was guilt that he wasn't home and I was his boy. But they gave me whatever I wanted, you know. And that was a big mistake. So I don't want to make, you know, you learn from your mistakes and you don't pass them on, hopefully.
0: Well, it's it's funny because honestly, yeah. and and we'll cap on this before we take a quick break. But it's, it's always a struggle as a parent because we, we struggle with, we don't want our kids to, Go through the hard times that we had. We want them to have a better life, but it's those hard times that build the character. So we got to try to yeah. find that balance, of making things better for them, but not so much easier for them. You know what I'm saying? It's it's yeah. it's a constant struggle. But you're absolutely
1: right. You're absolutely you know,
0: right. We're gonna go to a quick break. After the break, we got a, a, another special guest other than the one over my right shoulder here. Um, we'll tell This is the pirate that Carlito keeps referring to. Uh, yes. This is Alan Goldfarb. He has literally been working with me and my company since the day I got into this business, 25 years ago. So he is the uh, the official partner. I feel like I'm in Porky's, and this is like the guy over my shoulder <laughs> talking. No, Porky's
1: so Animal House. Animal Hoops. House. He's my, uh, what do you call it? Emotional support buddy. Because yeah. I told Alan, if I don't see you there, I don't, I'm don't. i afraid to be on this show, Alan, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have another special guest. We got your daughter. That's cool. We're going to get her on, talk about this epic thing that she accomplished this week in raising money for the Cancer Foundation and, and, and how, how awesome that was. And we'll have her on right after this. Don't go anywhere. A lot of cool stuff still ahead. Keep it lit. Keep it Skip lit. In. Hola a todos, mi nombre es Elmer Suárez, de La Flor de Copán
2: en Honduras. My name is Ernesto Cramwinkel and I'm from La Romana, Dominican Republic. Hola, mi nombre es Diana, soy de Manizales, Colombia.
3: Díaz, Freddy Molina, desde Estelín, Nicaragua.
4: Hola, amigos, saludos a todos. María Santis, orgullosa de ser puertorriqueña.
2: Cheers, I'm Oliver, I'm from London, England. I love H. Uman Añejo. My favorite H. Upman Dominican cigar is the H. Upman Banker.
1: My favorite
4: H. Upman cigar is the Herman's Patch.
2: Favorite
3: H. Upman is the H. Upman by AJ Fernandez.
4: Mi cigarro favorito is H. Upman Espanola.
2: I highly recommend you try the H. Upman 175th anniversary, awarded number 10 cigar of 2019. One World together with H. Upman.
1: Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes.
2: The is- and- Welcome back to this epic
0: episode of KMA Hawk Radio. I am Honest Abe. I am broadcasting from our headquarters here in Portland Beach with our dear friend and Fuente Representative Alan Goldfarb, a.k.a. The Pirate, over my shoulder, and uh, we have one of the most uh, historic, actually, I mean, just accomplished person in the cigar industry. A dear friend of mine for many years, and it's honor to have him on, Carlito Fuente Jr. So what a, what a great show. So um, we have a special guest. I mean, there's no reason to, to be to the point. But your daughter, Liana, obviously, your family has been affected by, you know, cancer and breast cancer. So she had put together this amazing fundraiser. And we have her on. There she is, Leanna Fuente. Welcome to KMA Talk Radio.
4: Hi, morning. I am so honored to have to be here, man. This is my first time and I'm I woke up this morning um so invigorated and so excited. Not only did I hit my goal of forty thousand dollars, I surpassed it. Yes. And I don't think it would have been possible if it wasn't for everyone, the cigar community that we have. I feel so humbled and blessed. And Abe to you, man, you really got behind i can't believe i looked how much you donated and then i saw that you actually donated from your personal original opus that you've had for 20 years plus i'm sure and it's just you did not have to do that and and so many people that i don't even know have reached out and had calls and i'm getting emails daily about saying my mother has been affected my daughter is affected my grandmother was affected i'm affected as a man and it's you know you you know, so many times you look and you realize, you know, I can't do anything. I'm just one person. Yes, you can. And yes, yeah. you can if you have an amazing community around you. And I wanted to come on and personally thank you myself from the bottom of my heart. I And everybody. I mean, there's so many people that are... God, I can't... I don't want to start naming all the names because they know who they are. But I'm from creating their own bobbleheads and donating their own cigars to raise money. All the other cigar manufacturers are donated as well. I mean, Arlene is a trooper. The other night she we were on another show and she surprised me and so much people have gotten my back and um I just I'm so humbled because anyone can make a change. I wanna be that that drop of water that creates a tidal wave. You know what I mean? And right now we're doing it. So um I'm just honored and grateful to be here and to have you guys support me, especially
0: now, my dad. It was an honor to be involved. I was, I was, when, when, when you know, I was, Melanie Cisco reached out to me on Sunday and said, what could we do? And I think at that point you were like a little over halfway at your goal. And, um, you know, look, we all have charities. And I think, I think most of this industry, I mean, almost everybody I know at some point will always tie into some charity, one or another. It's really one of the most giving industries that I know of. Um, as far as not being as big as some, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, trillion dollar industries. And, um, the, we, everybody seems to rally together all the time. I mean, are we, we do a great smoke event that's been tied to a major charity for 15 years now. And now it's tied to the kids cancer foundation. Every manufacturer and especially your, your family's company has been involved with my event since year one. Carlito was at our great smoke event year one. Uh, awesome. the, first, the first year I, I concocted it and thought about this crazy idea. And he came out and supported the event. And at that time we raised money for home. Save. And um, everybody just rallies. It's a great community. So it was awesome to Amazing. even just participate a little bit. And, you know, my big question is, as I really want to know, because, you know, I've heard this through the grapevine is you're supposedly getting your hair shaved.
4: Yes, I am. What? Um, yes. And, and, and I'm from going what I understand,
0: home. you're letting your father shave your head.
4: You know, he was so yeah. excited. He's like, you're cutting your hair off? You, and first, you know, I was thinking my dad was going to talk me out of it. Deanna, your hair is so pretty. He's like, hell yeah. He goes, I want to come and fly to Tampa myself, and I'm going to shave you bald, and this is awesome. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> we're doing this.
2: Okay, we're doing it. So I'm well,
0: somebody, very happy somebody, to be doing I it. I said this to somebody the other day, and they're like, are, are you saying bald bald? I said, I'm well, unless, unless, unless Carlito has become a hairstylist. <laughs> Recently, I don't know how it's going to be any other way than bald. ball
4: Abe, I'm gonna give you some competition, baby.
0: Oh, yeah, you
4: got a lot of <laughs>
0: <laughs> now. Have you ever sport- that's amazing? Have you ever sported a bald look?
4: No, but there's always oh, wow. a first time. And the thing is, is like you know, sometimes you have to, you, you said it earlier, you get big risk, big reward. And, um, like I said, so I was thinking about it this morning. When I was 14, a really close friend of mine, um, his mother, got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was in high school. You don't really know what it is. And I saw her journey. And back then, chemotherapy wasn't what it was. And she lost her hair. She lost both breasts. She, it came back after five years. And I'm like, God. And then my aunt got diagnosed too late because she died at 43. And it started and spread to her body. And at that, that time, you know, cancer, it was like everything was a tumor. No one really said the C word. There wasn't, um, there wasn't this, this backing and awareness of, you know, what it really is and how it can be prevented. A lot of you may not know that breast cancer is a second leading death and, in in people and, um, and not only does it affect women, but it also affects men. So one in eight women mm-hmm. will die of breast cancer and one in 34 men will get it and also pass away from breast cancer because it's, you know, this is not about anything. It's something hormonal that happens. It's the food that we consume. It could happen to anyone, black, white, no matter what race, no matter what upbringing, no matter what background, no matter how much money you have in your pocket. It will affect you. And this is a time like this is a cause that's so close to my heart. And I want to make a difference. I'm 40 years old. I'm halfway through my life, and I sat back. What am I doing? What have I done? So are- the fact that everybody's behind me, I'm going bald. and I can't. No. there
3: are. That is amazing. I mean, there there are places in the country too, Liana, and you, and you guys would know better than I would. But that, like Long Island, for one, is one of the top areas for breast cancer in in yes. the world, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I I my my grandmother had breast cancer, my aunt had breast. I mean, so started. many people in my personal life, and, and it, they don't they don't necessarily know why either, which is which is the 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 scary part. But like you're saying, there there are things you can do. Uh, food and diet wise right I mean kind of stay away from processed foods they're saying at least I mean I I don't know if we know for sure
4: you know statistically look my grandmother my aunt my great-grandmother they all have breast cancer statistically I will have breast cancer so um you know it's it's a true it's a reality so either I can sit back and cry or I can do something now to make a difference so it's just better for me tomorrow and better for anyone around me and my my community, my friends—you know—I just want to make a difference, and I think this is one way to do it. And it's amazing that the cigar community has my back—not just women, but men. Absolutely. And um, men, you know, real men wear pink, and let me tell you, pink is a color. You know, it's not a soft color; it's a power color. It's a, a mystery color. It's a new beginning. It's a new rebirth. It's power. You know, and it's—I'm um, so when dad surprised me with a special. We we're pink. We knew what that uh, was happening. <laughs> yeah. No, my dad, look, so when I first started doing this like 15 years ago, my dad pulls out <laughs> this neon yellow pink wallet and I'm like, bah, bah. he goes, no, my daughter. And that was before, like, you know, this is 15, 16 years ago. And my dad, since the beginning always had my back and he was the first person to donate the first person to push me. So, I mean, now we're using our platform to actually reach out and help so many people. And the fact that my dad surprised me, and I saw that article, and that was the first time I had heard, I cried like a baby. Oh I cried. So it's just oh. awesome. Now, my my guys on the Salesforce, Alan, you look really sexy in that shirt, by the way.
1: Thank well, you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah.
4: Awesome. So Beautiful. So my team is wearing pink. The whole factory in the Dominican is all pink. You guys have pushed it. Rare pink is going to take over. This is going to be the biggest thing ever, and we're going to make a difference. And there's nothing that makes my heart so happy and accomplished that we're doing our part to make tomorrow better. So.
0: Well, you did an amazing thing, you know, and just trying to make a difference is always a monumental stuff for everybody. And I want to commend you on your bravery to make a statement and actually yeah. go and, yeah. and, and, and and donate your help. because I'm going to tell you what paul our, you know our co-host here uh, here we go i You're was right. waiting for this Guys, to ha- he's got up. this little <laughs> he's got this little mini farm that's growing right here that he doesn't even have the braveness to shave look at that
1: Well, well know, i did tell you Is that
4: true? listen
3: oh. liana i i will i told i told abe on the show that if we did some kind of a charitable event where it raised money for a good cause I'm, I'm up for that. Paul,
0: you so, have that much hair. What kind of charity do you need? It's not even like you're right. doing that. Right. You know, Look, look at no, Liana. Look at Liana's hair. hair. When she shaves her head, she's making your statement. If you shave your head, you're only improving your looks. <laughs>
2: listen, Paul, you're on the last days. Time to let it go. Well, listen. That's why
3: say- I'm hanging up. I'm hanging on for dear life, man.
4: <laughs> I say we make a movement now with social media and all these lives. I say we all go live at one time and everybody just do it. Bring awareness. Let's go viral. Let's take over.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I belong. I belong to a Facebook group, Facebook group which you guys can look up. It's called the Mr. Clean Crew, and, and it's all bald-headed guys who are cigar, you know, passionate people. So there's Facebook groups out there for us.
4: Well, I'm not a guy, but I'll join in because I'll be. Busy. You're definitely yeah, yeah, I, exactly. You're invited.
0: Yourself, it's not just a men's group. It's anybody who's bald, even if it's just temporary bald. We had guys who shaved their heads just to be in the group, and we invited them. Yeah, yeah. So look, bald I, is beautiful. Bald, a hey, bald is beautiful. I, can, I won't argue that point. So, um, Carlino, I don't know if you have the list. I've been trying to get a hold of Melanie because um, look, I I know the prize pack that we gave away. Because i we threw in this this box of opus, and then you had sent us this beautiful box here, and then donated your hat, which Melanie has, but she's been doing the drawing we were going to announce it live on the air today i haven't I, I reached out to her last night, she hadn't gotten back to me. Do you have the winner or
1: no? I don't have the winner, but you know what' Listen, I'm going to reach out to Rocky Patel and to miss. Yeah. And Nimish, because she's with those boys, you know. Oh, that's why we haven't heard from her. They, they kidnapped her, probably. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, she was she
3: was broadcasting last night with that's them, what I is. believe. Well, we but, don't but, we don't
0: have the winner since she was in charge of the drawing, but she will get back to us. We will <laughs> post it on our Facebook page. Who? Yeah, I mean, we still got another hour almost. We'll try to find out who won this this epic prize pack that we were involved in. But there were other major prizes that. People from the industry, Rocky and uh, uh, Lito, and I'm trying to go off my memory. And and
1: Ernesto, Perez, yes. Yeah. So um, that that all be I, him, Melanie, but yeah. But Abe, since since you're the shot maker, and you make these things happen, will you reach out to Lito Gomez? I've been trying to call him for the last week. Tell him that he donated a box of double <laughs> heroes You know,
4: my dad is cyber stalking. He's been telling every show that he's been on. He goes, "Have you talked to Lito?" Make sure if you see Lito, I've been trying to call him. I'm like, Papa, talk about calling uh, the man
3: out. We just had him on a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was great. Right, was great. right.
0: Yeah, I I, I I I will send my minions out to find him.
1: Awesome. You know, you, you mentioned Melanie Cisco. Uh she's famous for a slip. And uh last oh. week, <laughs> you know, last week I made a slip, but my slip was a slip of the tongue. You know, people are writing in this and that, and, you know, we're promoting, uh, this, this great cause. And, and she's been a great help. She's been every night talking about it and so forth. And it's, you know, w- we have to reach out to as many people as possible because this is something that is everyone together. And, uh, so somebody said, Carlito, you know, how about your mustache. We you take off your mustache, and I go, Ooh, oh, wow. oh, scared. oh scared. and, uh, so, I haven't been without a mustache since I was about fourteen years old.
4: Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've ever seen you, Papa, without a no, mustache. You, no, you, you haven't. You
1: haven't. But what are you going to say? You know, wow. it's, my, it's, my girl. it's my baby It's like, my baby wow. so, it. <laughs> so the day, the day. I'm, first of all, I'm, I already got it from Walgreens. I'm going to have my hair with that pink spray, and I'm going to paint my mustache will be pink. Ooh. And when I finish buzzing all her hair off, and it it's nice and clean, and I shave it and make it nice and polished. I'm going to oh, go like Lord. this, and I'm going to take off my mustache. Oh, wow. Everything, every, everything is going to be filmed, and it's going to be live on Facebook, and we're going to document it. It's going to uh, be done professionally pay, pay for the view. world to no? know. Pay-per-view.
0: You should do pay-per-view. We, we should. Raise some more money. In fact, Liana should just probably give you a, a straight razor shave and do it.
4: I would love to do I'll,
0: that. I'll be afraid to. to, to you know what? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: wow well liana listen thank you so much for coming on thank you for what you did this week and honestly um eventually hopefully maybe we, d- we get you on to do a whole show find out I what would, you did. i would be
4: honored and i can't say thank you enough for all your support and everybody who's like i said it's not a one person it's a it's a big huge family a community i mean i can start naming the names i started going through i was like man this is unbelievable we're at six so when I first started it, I, I said it in March, I wanted to do 40,000 for my birthday and then COVID hit. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna make it, but I'm gonna still try, I'm gonna still do my best and I'm gonna do my difference. Not only did I make the 40,000, I surpassed it. And today is the last day for the, or obviously it's a whole cancer month, but today's the last day to kind of turn in for my team. And I, there's nothing, nothing more than I would like to do is to show everyone what a little girl from Ybor City had a vision and a dream to do and to make a difference in her community and globally and listen with social media being so prevalent so global you know this is a this is a big thing and i really want to tell everybody look what the cigar community did so i can't thank you enough for having me abe i'll be honored to be on the team and on the show going forward you know I am completely humbled and I am at your disposal, whatever you need, I'm here for you. And if I could uh, do anything to help you, tell family, and um, thank you thank so much for having Liana, me
1: Liana, daddy has a question Yeah. Daddy, daddy has a question because I haven't seen Facebook and everything. I was, I was so busy making like my six pot of coffee uh, this morning to be on time. <laughs> for, I'm never on time for anything, but uh, what, what is, what is the last number? What, where are we at now?
4: I think we're at sixty-six or sixty-seven thousand dollars. That's
1: amazing. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. And
0: just 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 less than a week ago. It was at twenty two. Correct. Just less than a week ago. So that's that was the that was amazing, great last push by everybody this week. It was really
4: great. Absolutely it's a power of the people, man. We can you can definitely move mountains if you really believe in something. So I, I can't thank everyone enough. If you guys are watching supported. Even if you just share, I mean, it's not just so much, just share. And if you can't physically do something, give of your time, whatever it is, if it's not breast cancer, whatever it is, whether it's just maybe volunteering at the local Humane Society, just do something of yourself to make tomorrow better. And that's my challenge for everyone. So I can't thank you guys enough.
0: Absolutely. Is, is, the link, is the link closed for donations or is it still still no,
4: it's still open? No, it's all still right. open. All right. Well, whatever the, is the is what total
0: Whatever the total is it it just went up $100 a Donated, I'm going to I'm going to make it for him online right now get it done make sure it gets done well
1: I'm going to you know we we're all one family I'm going to match it Abe. so <laughs> you know, another $100 from daddy look at that all right look at that all right I was, uh, you know it re- realistically it's just it's just one scotch left left I, and with a tip That's all, right. all it is
0: that's the way I look at donations you know it's it's One frivolous thing I would have spent money on, I'd rather put it to a good cause. Especially for such a
1: good cause.
4: That young man there, Daniel Cobble, I just saw his name pop up. I mean, there's so many. He has been awesome. I mean, there's so many people that have donated and shared and posted and really rallied behind. I cannot thank you guys enough. Thank
0: you. Thank you. And we will definitely reach out to you. We'll get you on KMA and then we'll look
4: forward
0: to it. Maybe maybe we'd love 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 to talk to you. you. Yeah, I'd be honored. All right, great. Thank you so much.
4: Bye bye, guys.
1: Take care. Bye now. Take yeah. care, of my
4: daddy. Take care. Love you. We will.
0: You got to <laughs> be such a proud papa, Carlito. Oh,
1: oh, I am. I am.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: that's that really awesome. is. That is.
0: But speaking of family, speaking of family, to get back on, on, on some interesting topics here, um, one of the biggest announcements I think that made more waves than anything I'd seen in a long time. I mean, I think this is in. Epic, what I'd like to call probably a collaboration, as we often talk about on our radio show. Um, news was announced this week of the collaboration project of uh, you and uh, the Padrone family to make tribute cigars to your fathers, who are both legendary people. I mean, I, I unfortunately, uh, you know, um, I fortunately, I mean, I fortunately really got to know um, Jose very, very well and affectionately. I think. I think um, he, he was very integral to a lot of things the family did with me um, because for whatever reason he liked me. You know, he used to call me El Gordo de West Palm Beach. You know what I
3: mean?
0: <laughs> George, George would talk to him about something and he'd be like, smoke in. Oh, El Gordo de West Palm Beach. You know, and, you know, two, <laughs> two, two legendary men in this industry. And, you know, tell us a little bit about this project because I think everybody's dying to find out about it.
1: You no, know, it's it's Absolutely. it's something it's something that evolved organically. But before a hey, before I mentioned that, I am enjoying one of the cigars that I made in honor of Jose Orlando Padron. It's something that I should not be smoking, but I guess I got so nervous after uh, this last show, this announcement that we did, that I said it's like we, George and I were speaking Jorge. And I said, holy shit, man, where well, you know, the expectation is so high. We're human beings. It's that Michael Jordan analogy again, you know. And uh, but anyway, just like just like you should have not brought out that cigar in the beginning of the show, because that shipment that I made for you, you promise you will not bring it out into the rest of the United States. Gets those cigars five years from now. Your shipment was supposed to be secret. And this is also something that is very secret the cigar that you brought out with the multicolor green and white x on it oh that, that, that's, that, was that nice. though, that's that's true be secret uh, we weren't on the I'm air on, when I, we weren't on the air when i
0: showed that cigar Oh,
1: i didn't see it okay. that never happened <laughs> <laughs> we weren't on the air yet that I'm, was in you, you. I, i'm under contract with the prince of dubai okay <laughs> so <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't want to mess with those people (laughs) all right no but going back i mean this is something that listen both of us loved our fathers i don't think anybody could love their fathers anymore like many people love their fathers yeah our fathers were everything we're a pillar of our lives uh you know my god you know speaking about my father is difficult but george for the same way and um we have become, I've known Jorge, i admire admired him, I've, I remember the first time they went to the uh, IPCPR that uh, I saw him and Orlando come up, and they see me, and they say, I'm Padron, I'm uh, I'm Orlando's son, and, you know, and so forth, and I go, wow, man, nice to see you, nice to meet you, he says, we're here for the first time, I remember that day, and he said, my dad, I said, how's your dad, how's the family, I hadn't seen them in years, and, um, I knew about the boys, but really they were not active in the business that I was aware of, uh, you know, as far as they were not in, in the retail show. The most of their business at that time had been in Miami very successfully. So, I mean, they, they controlled uh, South Florida and the Cuban Latin market. And um, I remember that he said, my dad is coming in tomorrow. I said, oh, my God, I got to see him. I remember going to uh, Motel Chico every night when I was in Nicaragua. All The Cubans would congregate there, the Cuban family, cigar makers, which only were a handful. So I had this huge admiration for for Orlando Padrón. I mean, it, we always, whenever we had an opportunity, the first thing we see each other out of respect, we, I kiss him the cheek, kiss me in the cheek, um, it was somebody I looked up to and Looked up to dearly, you know, one of the greatest of greats, and we always had this mutual respect for each of our families. And I remember he told me at that moment when I met him, "My dad will be here tomorrow, so I got to see him." So when his father came, they they found me, looked for me, and they went, and I saw his father. His father hugged me and everything, and he says, "How are you?" You know, we greet each other. He says, "If you need anything, I never forget this. If you need anything at all." Whatever you need, if I have it, I won't share it with anybody, but I'll share it with you or your father. And remember, I, I have the best of the best because I am the Leon. I am the king of kings. And he was, you know, you know how he was. He was that, but that's the wow. way he shared his love. But I never forget that day. But with all respect and all the years and everything and all the mutual things, when the CRA started, uh, one of the first persons I called was Jorge Padron. I called and I said, "Hoy, we wanted, we're starting an organization. I want to start a consumer organization. And I really thought that, you know, it's about the people. You got to take it to the people. And the intention of CRA originally was for the ma- a few of the manufacturers who I believed had the same philosophy that I had. I called Lito Gomez. I called Robbie. Uh, I called the Newmans in the very, very beginning. And, um, I wanted a team of people at the same philosophy to protect the brick and mortar, protect the family business and everything, because we were facing very difficult challenges. And during that time, Jorge and I became much closer. We had meetings. We fought the same fight, the same battle. And we both, it, it was like the yin and the yang. I remember many times Jorge, very eloquent, would be the one that's soft-spoken but very accurate with the information. And once in a while, he kicked me under the table. We always sat side by side. And I knew that was my time to hit the table and get up and get emotional and everything. And what you know I'm, it's time yeah. to turn it on. Yeah, exactly. So I I but anyway, we became very, very close. We used to have meetings. I used to go there to his headquarters. Most of the time the meetings were in Miami because of that's where most of the people was nearby made it easy. We always had people fly in, like, you know, from, from Virginia, like Gary Pesh, who's been volunteer and all oh, since the beginning. And we became very we became closer and closer and closer. And uh, one during one of these meetings, or these last meetings about two years ago, well, Jorge, I lost my father just shortly before Jorge lost his father. And I remember the day that I heard that he had passed. I, I flew into Miami, and I don't do this for anybody, but I knew what his father, because we. My, if you, you see that famous photo that we took before his father With with whole and my father, my father and and Orlando sitting together. We're standing behind them. We put it up. That was in their big celebration of their 50th anniversary. And right before my father passed, my father was ill, but he went there. My father doesn't go anywhere. He was already ill. And uh, we took that photo. That was the respect we had. So as soon as I found out that Orlando had passed, I got on a plane. I came to Miami. And they still, he was, he, they, and I had to get back because I had visitors. And a matter of fact, the Cuencas were there. And they remember that I said, I'm getting on the plane. I even flew private. I have to do something. I went to see Jorge. I remember he was, I, normally they were there. The family were very, they were in the office, but they were private in their private area. And I went to the front. And I said, Escalito Fuente, please tell Jorge that I'm here. I need to see him. And I know that they, at that time, didn't just want to have their privacy. They invited me in. Beba was there, his his wife, and, and Orlando, and the family. And I called them to the office. I remember speaking to them. I said, listen, I went through this. You're going to go through this, 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 and this, and this. We don't forget this, and they don't forget it. And this is the bond that we have. But during these meetings of the CRA one day, uh, not long after his father had passed. Yeah, that's the photo. Look at that. That's one of the photos, yes. And uh, anyway... We're there, and everybody leaves. And Jorge tells me, "Hey, we'd like to come into my my private area. There, he has a little lounge. Let's have a scotch in honor of our fathers." And um, I never say no to a free scotch. <laughs> 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 so I remember he said, "You know, your father, because everybody knows your father was Shavas eighteen, and my father was uh, Dimple. You know, Dimple or Pinch." They peach. They call it, pinch. Peach. Well, they call it peach. peach, peach, peach. Yeah, he, loves he peach. You know, in, in Europe we already discovered this. It was dimple and I get confused. It was dimple, pinch, hague, whatever, but it's always the same. And he says, What are we gonna have a Chevras or we're we gonna have a pinch? And I said, No, let's have a pinch. I'm in your office now. So we had a we had a drink, we're talking about our fathers and everything. And I don't know who brought it up, him or something. About you know, we talked about heritage, being grateful. It's all about being grateful and who we are, where we come from. We both admit that our dreams are to follow our father's footsteps, it's impossible to fill their shoes. And we have, uh, you know, and our dream both is to to continue their legacy and never forget their story, for it to live, to be a beating heart, a burning flame that never, never, never uh, extinguishes. And somehow the idea is we should honor our fathers. And the idea came up that I would make a cigar that the best cigar I personally can make, not thinking about the consumer, not thinking about Jorge Padrón, not thinking myself, what cigar would I make that I would offer to the old man? And we say old man in Viejo. It's a a Cuban way of showing affection for somebody you respect. What cigar would I offer to Orlando Padrón, Jose Orlando Padrón, and... That he would be happy with and be proud that I made that cigar for him and vice versa. What cigar will Jorge make for my father? And I, I said jokingly, but knowing how these old men are in, in Orlando Padrone, you know, he was so proud of his brand. I mean, he, he lived, breathed and you know, he, everything was Padron to him. It was his life. I just hope that one day in my dream, he walks up to me or we see each other with. And he goes oh Carlito, cigar wasn't bad you can smoke it <laughs> i know that i made the right cigar that's all i expect from him you know but yeah. this is how this whole idea started evolving, involving and then the pandemic came and it was kind of put on hold we were we we have been working this for a while and as a matter of fact i'm smoking one now but after that he was interviewed on meet the professor and i heard i mean we we're talking he called me after he goes hey bro Bro, I'm scared of shit. You know what? We, you know, people are going to expect the unexpected. You know,
0: well, but. I think that's the beauty of this project, right? Because these are two historic families that don't need to really do special projects. So this is not yeah, right. anything other than a, a, a pure emotional movement to take, pay tribute to the men they love and who help mold them. So, I, you know, I think that's what the real beauty of this project is. And I think... I, you know, and, and like I said, as, as, as the consumers, everybody's, you know, we, we, we already started getting messages. When are you getting it? What are you getting? It? I don't know nothing about it. You know what I mean? Other than it's being released. And, you know, I, I have, I had a very busy week, so I haven't been able to read the press releases yet. But have you guys finalized this format? Is it going to be two different cigars or is it going to be two different cigars? I mean, is it going to be two different packagings and distributions or is it going to be one box containing both the cigars? Has that been
1: resolved yet? It basically, it has, but you know what? Uh, it's still a secret. Jorge Padrón is a lot younger and a lot stronger than me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's certain things that we want to leave it up to anticipation and everything. But Got believe it. me, we're putting everything into this. It will be two cigars, or one cigar each made the same exact size, and they will have one new band. It will be a complete new product. The band will be a fusion between President Ron and Fuente. Wow. That's part of the surprise. And Jorge, uh, forgive me if you're watching. You know, please take a deep breath and, uh, you know, go uh, play with your kids or do whatever you do, you know. You
0: can blame, you can blame it on
1: me, Carlito. But, yeah, I think he's just afraid. He said the other day on the show, I'm afraid of him too. <laughs> <You> know, so, <laughs> hey, listen, it's all in fun and humor. You know, that's the Cuban thing. You got to have Absolutely. the, you got to, you got to shoot the chip, man. You know, you got to yeah. shoot the shit. Absolutely. <laughs> But uh, no, it's true. But, you know, it's going to be a it's going to be a, in one package and it's going to be a large package It's something that people will be able to keep and pass down to their children. Oh, wow! It's, yeah. It's something that is, that so cool. is collectible. It involves a lot of different things. It's more than a story. It's It's, a, it's multiple stories. And you're going to when you it's going to be it's going to be stories within a story it's going to it's be a fight. A <laughs> <fight>. it's <laughs> like a, a huge product. it's like a huge book each chapter tells a story oh, that's but, great. but but the story is not about an individual about two, it the stories together about two families those two cigars will be together no matter what and there will be in a in a something very large very special that you will keep for generations it's going wow. to we've been working on this for a while the ideas uh, there's a lot that goes with it more than the cigar it's a complete package
0: I'm assuming this is something that's going to hit the streets sometime next year.
1: Well, it all depends. Obviously, something like this, uh, it's not something that, that Alan Goufarb uh, go could walk in with a catalog and show you. This has, It all depends on when uh, the PCA is going to oh. be able to start again. I mean, that's oh. our hope to introduce the P- PCA. Okay. I, we need some big venue where everybody gathers, where all the key people gather and so forth. Where we could showcase this product and make it available to, to the brick and mortars, to the people who, who, who pour their hearts and soul, their life, their time into the, our community, to our world of cigars. And that is both of our missions and both of our goals. Well,
0: I mean, I, I, I'm, you're going to keep the world in suspense. So uh, everybody's waiting to see this really epically and historic project uh for our industry but speaking of projects we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the pink yeah right? there was an announcement another announcement uh this week about the rare pink cigars which is another um uh, pca I, I believe it's a pca cigar and it also is contributing to the cancer foundation can you tell us a little bit about that cigar maybe maybe a little bit more than your uh your collaboration with the Padron family. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more on this one here.
1: Well, I'm going to try, but, you know, I'm a man of many secrets. Uh, (laughs) When you you have little knowledge, it's best to have a lot of secrets. Uh, But, you know, this is a lot safer. It is a lot safer. And I have have to try to be safe. But anyway, uh, yeah, no, this is something that I've been working on for quite a while. The cigars I made last year. Uh, They were going to be introduced this year. And it's something that I worked on very quietly. Personally, I worked on and I've kept it away. No one has seen this box or this package or this label because I even worked it without any graphic designer or anyone that's ever worked with me. I I did this all internally in Santiago because I wanted it wanted to be a a surprise for Liana. And uh, there's a lot of elements to this that she will see when it when when she receives the cigars. And she's curious or not to open it up before it goes out to distribution, because, of course, we ship all our cigars into our Tampa headquarters from there's distributor to to all our accounts. But uh, uh, this is something very, very special. The the label itself was created in-house. It's printed right in Santiago. It's all done Uh, in-house. We have our own box company. Everything is being done. It's totally unique. These are cigars that have been made for over a year already that we're going to be introduced at the PCA this year. I promise to have something special for the people that support the brick and mortar, the PCA. And this is going to be one of the cigars. But you know that I am, I'm very passionate and committed to the old world, the old school tradition to honor the past and be grateful, never forget. And one of the things that that today, you know, I, I look back with time that I feel very proud of is that I personally reintroduced all the Figurados into the market. It was something that was lost. Before yeah. before the Hemiway, there were no Figurados. Maybe there was an old Cuban in Miami who made a pyramid with a paper or, or someone in some place, but it was not commercially sold. It was something of the 40s, 30s, 40s, maybe the early 50s. And it was something that was just not, no longer available. Nobody wanted Figurados. And we brought back my grandfather's shape, which was originally called the Fancy Tales, the Fancy Tales, and we introduced it under the brand Hemingway. And from there, we grew. You had all the different extensions, the short story, and so forth. And from there, I, I know the first cigar in the history with two wrappers. Today, you see all these different artistic cigars uh, was originated with the Between the Lines, And I'm very passionate with Figurados. So this is a a line of cigars that are Figurados. And one of the cigars that we're making, but since they only can make so few a day, so few a day, 25 a day, is a Figurado Lancero. A Figurado Lancero, which is incredible. And uh, we have a new size also that is called the Happy Ending. Uh, (laughs) Oh, every story, every story needs a happy ending. Yeah now you know you're not going to go back to buying the next volume so uh, it's you know it's one the one of the new sizes new shapes is happy ending with so forth and we're going to have a lancero but the lancero is going to come out after the year because we make so few a day so we <clears> there's <throat> not enough to go around so we'll just keep accumulating we're going to there's several cigars that will be coming out after the year but come out with four shapes and i'm going to be totally honest so you understand I One of the cigars that I hear from real real aficionado, connoisseur, people that know cigars and tobacco, they tell me, man, this, I smoke this cigar and it's the best blend in your portfolio. This cigar is amazing. And it's a cigar that doesn't really, doesn't sell that much. People don't know about it that much. But it, the, the cigar is Casa Cuba. Now, if you know the history of Casa Cuba, it's a brand that we acquired from Modesto the Maceda family, Cubans, in the early 60s. It, he was very close to my grandfather and really looked at my father as a young man, as somebody who worked so hard. And he was already up in his late 80s, and he's retiring. And he had this brand, Casa Cuba, a small little brand, beautiful Cuban brand. And he said, Carlito, I want to leave this brand for you, but I have to sell it. I don't know how much money you have. Pay me whatever you could afford to pay me. And uh, we we acquired the Casa Cuba brand. We keep it alive. We send a few cigars, this and that. But it's not under the Casa It wasn't under the Casa until one day I come to the factory. And uh, I was traveling to Dubai. I was traveling to, you know, World Cup with Russia. I was trying to build the brand outside the United States. And, and I didn't do this for... A, out of ego or selfishness, I was doing this because I realized 10 years ago, eight years ago, that if this FDA regulation was applied, I'm going to lose 30% of our business in the United States. And when you and when you have 3,000 people and you have a foundation called Cigar Family Charitable Foundation that thousands of people depend on, and you have this organization in Tampa in Salesforce, you realize that you cannot keep this organization and people employed with 30% less of your business. You're gonna to have to tear everything down and start from scratch again. And a lot of people are gonna lose their jobs. I realized that I had a possibility to find a solution. And my, my hopes, my only hopes were to start building some safety net outside the United States. So I was traveling a lot and I was in the factory and I come one day to the factory and our, the, the, the person that was in charge back then who now is in Tampa, Lucy Hernandez, I see a box that's gonna be, be shipped to Tampa so they could, uh you know, see it and everything. And I looked at it and I said, "Lucy, what is this?" She goes, "Oh, that's something your uh, rich and your father uh, have that's going to be shipped to Tampa." And I looked at it; and it had the old Casablanca label, the old original, not this one, the original, original one, not that one, but before that. And it was, and it was so simple. The label's beautiful, but the box was so simple. I said, "Lucy, this is crazy. I this can't go out. Stop it right now." And I called my father and I said, what the hell is going on? We can't do this. I'm stopping this. And I said, dad, this, you can't do this, dad. I do not. Always my intention was not to bring out Casa Cuba made in the Dominican Republic. It was my intention because I really believe that I'm very grateful to the Dominican Republic and I had to promote it to the Dominican Republic. And I'm very, very conscious about exploiting the name Cuba. You see, we don't use Cuban seed on our boxes or we don't. I'm, I, even though it's our heritage, I'm very proud of it. And it's, it's all the lessons of my life and all my mentors and everything. I don't want a brand with the word Cuba made of the Make Republic. I've seen that happen historically. And I don't believe in exploiting the They, It's not a Cuban cigar if it's not made in Cuba. It's not Cuban tobacco if it's not grown in Cuba. I really believe in that. So, But my father was already in his last year's. And he says, son and i and started rich said man your father you know he's your father is um you know he's he's getting older and everything and this is his wish his dream so I was, okay i'm going to repackage it so i put together a really quick change put it into a wooden box did a few things i'm not happy with it i'm going to repackage the whole thing now and i know my father i'm going to come out with a big bang but that's how the whole thing started and in his last year his last days His last days from his hospital bed, when he was in Sloan Kettering in New York, I'm talking about three, four days before he passed. He calls the office up and he tells his assistant, I want you to make a blend for me. Go get a a this lot of tobacco because every day he was looking at his inventory, he was looking at his numbers, how much was sold. Every day he had information sent to him on his computer, even from his bed, and he was passing and he says, get half a leaf of this, get a leaf of this, do this, blah, blah, this binder, go this, blah, blah, get from this lot, do this, and make this cigar in this shape. My father passed. He never saw that cigar. That cigar, after he passed, made the cigar, and we named it the Divine Inspiration. So, you know, the pinks, people told me, wow, what a blend. a so cool. is different. It's this. But that was my father's. I remember my father with his, you know, his gravelly voice already tired. I said, Dad, what are you doing, Dad? This and that. He Oh, yeah, let me tell you something. It, you know, it reminds me of like the way you spoke about, Oh, yeah, it e go to the Palm Beach. Right. Yeah, you know, it's the way it was, it's just a fetching away. Oh, yeah, let me tell you something. Everything, you know, you, I'm very proud of you. You've done a lot of credible things. And you know what? You changed the cigar industry. You brought the cigar industry in many ways where it's at today. But don't forget who taught you. And I'm still the best blender. That blend is the way my father taught me to make the blend. Not the shit you guys make that is so damn strong. You know, you can't can't for I want you so uh, those things are in my mind. So my so the cigar, the rare pinks are based on the the of uh, on the base or you know the foundation of what Casaco is. But then of course I have to add Carlito's little ingredients or little you know Carlitos' way, and so I just tweaked it a little bit. I did the things that I thought, and uh, it's a very—I think the cigar is going to be incredible. And it's a cigar, you know, it's 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 pink, and it's all completely repackaged. But it's a cigar. It's a cigar for human beings that they're going to be able to enjoy. Men—it has nothing to do with gender. You yeah. know, cigar that I'm going to enjoy. It's a cigar that I'm very proud of. It's, and it's a very rich and flavorful cigar and it, the shapes and everything. So basically, you know, that's that's where the thing started. And the, what's really special about the cigar, Felix Mesa, who is very, very close to me, who's our main man, partner in Nicaragua, he's so on. Felix Mesa travels to Cuba a lot. He's, you know, his family's generational from, they're really what what we call affectionately Guajiros. You know, they're Cuban farmers. They've grown a the race, their grandmother, everyone grew tobacco. They were born, they played in tobacco fields. He has brought me different seeds over the years to help me with my yields in Chateau de la Fuente to experiment in to make a public with certain seeds that, that he that he acquires that he does from Cuba. And one of those seeds, I mean, I've been working with Janito Oliva and everything to see one in this, this one particular seed, which is a Havana Cuban seed. But there's a lot of varieties of Cuban seed as we all know. There's a lot of different varieties, just like there's different genetics, different seeds of oranges or different seeds of different fruits. You know, they all give you a different one's a little bit more acidy, one's a little bit more sweeter, one's a, a little bit, you know, the texture is different. It gives you a different result. And this one particular seed, Janito, grew several seeds for us of the ones that we saw in the Dominican Republic that we could pull wrappers from. And this one particular seed gave the best results in Janito after three years working with a seed, you know, repicking, picking the seeds and everything from this. He grew a crop for us. And uh, this tobacco was grown the year before last. We've got the best leaves that's constantly being improved. So that's the leaf that these cigars will be on. And it really, it, is, it's, it works very well with this blend. And, and it's, it's something that I believe every time we do something, we can't just change a band or something and make it different. I really believe that, you know, everything happens with time. Sometimes we don't come up with a new product. But this is something that is it's different, it's new. There's no question when you smoke it, it's fuente. Because anything comes out of our kitchen is fuente. You know it's fuente when you smoke it. It's not going to be something that's going to be completely different. But it's based on the Casa blend, retweaked, and with a uh, Havana seed wrapper from a different seed. So Now, this is going to be a
0: PCA release as well?
1: That's for PCA, yes. That's for it's PCA.
0: Only, and, and from what I
1: read somewhere, there's only going to be 500 made of each size? No, 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 no. That's more. We're, we're gonna have we're gonna have we're gonna ship a minimum of five a minimum of five hundred boxes. It's just that we want to make sure that you know that is being shipped, and we're gonna ship maybe eight hundred boxes, a thousand boxes, or so forth. But we don't know how much we'll be able to pack. Cigars have been made for a year; we're uh. packing them already, and we promise that we're gonna ship the first lot. First shipments will be on November the eighteenth, and gonna, I pick November the eighteenth because that is exactly twenty five years ago when I shipped the first Fuente Obesach to the United States market. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, my grand- wow. that's my grandfather's birthday. So, you know, I got to try to find all the gods and all the angels in the sky to help us in any way for this project to be successful. But no. that's, that's only one, one of two projects. That's one. The other one I'm not going to talk about. Jeez. I also have, a surprise, <laughs> also have a surprise for the brick and mortar well, that will be shipped in December. We'll have you on when you're ready double. to talk about that. Yeah, double whammy. No, you'll know about it. My phone will be written. My phone will be. This one I'm not going to talk about. You're, and there's no Charlie. We are teaser yeah. free. Okay. nobody. This is going to be like it used to be the old days. You get a cigar. You get cigars sent to you, and you're going to get an invoice, and you go, what the hell is this? What is Swanker doing?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I have a
0: question for Carter. Who's himself. having a heart attack during the show right now? Yeah, you. Oh, he's like, these rumors, yeah,
1: rumors, are rumors and teasers, rumors and teasers. <laughs> you're going to be very happy and you're going to say yourself, man, what a difficult year has this been, but we're going to end this year with a big bang with a lot of love and everything. That's my intention. I have no more intention than that it's to really awesome. g- give support to the people who have sacrificed so much and given to, so much to our family and that have gone through hell and back during this year, as we all have. And to bring some, just bring some joy at the end of the year. You know, the, just that Christmas Eve for everybody to be there waiting for open up their toys.
3: Paul, oh, you had a question. Yeah, I, Carlito, I, you know, I, I think maybe there's a little bit of confusion. Do, do you live in the DR now or do you live in the U.S. or do you like spend your time
1: back no, I, and forth? I've lived in the DR since 1980, 40 years here. Wow. I lived okay, in So DR. you're there full time. Yes. And when I wasn't in DR, most of my other time was 37,000 feet in the air. You know, just, you know, <laughs> and for a long time, Alan, Alan could testify to this. Most of the times I traveled, I in the last years, I stopped traveling, uh, of visiting smoke shops and so forth. The last eight years or so forth, uh, my daughter was doing more of that, and we have a great team of representatives and sales managers. I stopped traveling, and every time I traveled because it was getting out of hand for my health and everything, I still traveled every week. I got over four and a half million miles sitting on american airlines alone you know and that's painful i've already had leg surgery vascular surgery from having right. uh, blood clots and things are very dangerous uh you know my body's it's paid the price so i travel yes i was traveling the united states when it was associated with charity the only time it well, there were cigar events obviously but it was a cigar event for charity whether it's dan marino for autism whether it's for Mm Saint Children's Hospital, cigar family, it was always events associated with charity because, you know, it was just impossible for me to be on the road and and still be in the Dominican Republic and do all these things. So uh, that's, you know, that's the reason that if people don't see me as much as they, they used to because uh, for the, for, you know, those reasons, which is logical, but there's nothing that I love more than walking in a smoke shop, meeting people, hugging people, sharing cigar stories and everything. And I think that's one of the reasons why i become so emotionally attached to all this uh, virtual media of, you know, I'm not a digital guy, but all, you know, I'm almost, this is the second best thing to actually be able to hug people is seeing people talk about cigars. And I try to watch as many, I, you know, I don't even watch movies anymore. I try to get on everybody's show Cooper when he, you know, all of them, you know, all these shows. And I watch, People like Eric Espinosa Jr., you know, on the show and, and see these young corporations <laughs> I say, man, this guy's like really cool. He's a chip off the old block, you know, and you watch all the you, you watch all these shows and people. And, and I learned so much. And it really it, it energizes me to see there's so much passion in our industry. I want to go back to one quick thing before yeah. you ask, put me back on the hot seat. Huh. I, I just want to say on behalf of my daughter, on behalf of my family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, it's very important to me for the world to, to witness what the cigar community is all about. We've gone through hell the last 10 years of the government trying to destroy us and eliminate us. And it's very, very important to me that people see that, you know, we're about people. We're about life. We're about giving. And we really have, Feelings, we have families, and we are part of a community, we're part of the American dream, and we have the right to fight for our for our constitutional rights as Americans, as being as living in the greatest country in the world. Forget about all the other countries or what they've done or how they apply the laws. This is the United States of America. And I think that this is an example how you could really make a difference in someone's life, maybe save their life or extend their life or prevent an illness by awareness, by education, by coming together and providing the funds necessary. And this was done, you know, $1 at a time, you know, one, one, one cigar lover at a time. This is an accumulation of people with big hearts that come together for a great cause. And I thank the entire community of cigar lovers for all their contribution in behalf of this charity or any other charity, this is what we're all about. And God bless you all. Thank you. I had to say this. It's very important to me. Very important to say, thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. We had a lot of news, a lot of emotions, you know, what what one heck of a show now, you know, on one and a final note, you know, um, because, you know, they're probably a fan, so I want to bring it up just in case anybody knows. But, you know, you guys, are you and the Newman's are involved every year in the Tampa uh, Cigar Festival that uh, is organized out there. And that got postponed until March, I just heard. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yes, Abe, that's correct.
0: So, yeah, they're pushing that event hopefully back till March when things will hopefully be much safer and uh, things can be done and, and people can come out and enjoy themselves in their normal fashion.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful event, you know. I remember last year, I mean, I, I, I grew up, walked those streets with my grandfather, remember what that community once was, and see it vacated the way it was for so many years. And to see it coming back, and now, it's, it, I remember last year when I arrived, it was in the afternoon already, it was late, started earlier, couldn't find a parking space. I'd never seen that in my life. And to see so many beautiful people, people I went to high school with and things, and to see people travel for all over the country. It's really become a festival, and I was so proud of my community and the support for Ybor City, which which was known as the cigar capital of the world. To see the way it's coming, to see us grow. I just stayed, uh, when I went to Tampa for a board meeting that I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I stayed in a new hotel called Hotel Haya, And Haya was, Sanchez and Aya was factory uh, number two because uh, Ybor Martinez was able to get the permit before, but they were both... Uh, Both pioneers of Tampa, and they named it after him. As a matter of fact, their bar lounge is called Florfina. They named it after cigars, and you see the bricks, and it's such a beautiful boutique hotel. It's right on on, on 7th Avenue, which was called Broadway before, right in the strip. It reminds me of Royal Sinesta in New Orleans. You know, you look out, you get the balcony, you see all the rows of balconies, 2 o'clock in the morning, people walking up in the streets, even though there's a pandemic, full of young people, full of life. That's the e War City I remember. Uh, and I'm so proud of that. And it's very, very sad, but it, it's also very, it was very responsible of them to postpone this. I don't think that we should take a risk, but it's very sad that it had to be postponed. And it was a wise decision yeah, um, yeah. by the, by the organizers to postpone in, this. In fact, yeah. e-
0: even cooler, your daughter, Liana, just typed, that the, the festival is now scheduled to be on March 7th, and the 6th is her birthday. So March, the like of birthday. Birthday
1: party, yeah. March the 6th is her birthday. March 6th is my daughter's birthday. Yeah. Uh, she was born in 1980, and um, that's the year we went to the Dominican Republic. So imagine. So and, we'll be, hmm. but, but wait, there's another queen that's celebrating uh tomorrow. Cynthia Fuente. Cynthia Fuente is, yeah. is her birthday. I'm I not, but I'm not gonna give her birth date. Because I have a little fact I've really seldom talked about.
0: Um, Cynthia Fuente was the first cigar manufacturer celebrity I ever met at my first cigar function ever in Chicago. Um, Just when I was starting to get into cigars, it was some event that her and Joey Pantaloni, and anybody can remember him as an actor. Pantaleano, yes,
1: Joe yeah. and Joey Pants,
0: Pants, Joey Pants, and Stephen Fisher, another actor who had some shows at the time. They were both at that event, and that was the first time I met Cynthia.
1: It may have been when they were filming Baby's Day Out that uh, Joe uh, Joe Montagna was there also. Uh, this was I'm going back sure. to
0: I moved here in '98, so this is probably yeah, '96. 19- yeah.
1: it, it probably was. Unless Joe Joe Pants was collecting some money that was old to him. <laughs> yeah. he might have been in Chicago because he is from the same town from a Hallboken, so you never know you know he probably was collecting some old some old booze. now
0: I got one more question I want to ask um, and or talk about before we get uh, I do have Melanie did get a hold of uh, my man yes. the pirate here I have some concocted winner list I assume no responsibility for reading this in case any of it's incorrect, but we will read some of the winners for those who are awesome enough to contribute uh, this week to Liana's Fun. But any of our listeners doesn't know, and this is now my turn to be honored, and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Um, I'm going to be your guest tomorrow That's <laughs> on your show, um, Fuente and Maripel, uh the professor show. And um, I mean, there it is, right there. Frank right where Fell present. So I'm I'm the guest of honor tomorrow at your show, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, but that just the concept of the show alone is pretty much an amazing concept. And you know, I think I think one of the, you know, not that really anything good was good about the pandemic, but some good things did come out of it. And stuff like this, where people now have become more social via electronics, where you know. You having a show is something I would have never thought of. How, how I mean, did that, I
1: mean, yeah, how did that show formulate real quick? No, actually, I I had I, I didn't even own a computer. Like, <laughs> no, no, seriously. See, I had my my telephone. Actually, Karen Smith, my right hand in Tampa, actually uh she sent me down a little uh, laptop and uh you know, so she could communicate with me because everybody always where's Carlito? Where's Carlito? Where is Carlito? Carlito doesn't pick up his phone. Where is Carlito? Nobody knows who Carlito's at. <laughs> and uh so she sent me down a laptop so I couldn't I couldn't avoid her anymore when they have to so she sent me up with teams and and so forth and and this whole and all this which now, you know, I am really getting into it and I'm trying little by little to see what I could do to improve. I got I figured out how to get the lighting. I got all these candles and <laughs> You know, I'm doing it the Ybor City way, you know, we're doing the street, but so, but anyway, Jeremiah Marifel, he's locked down. He can't leave. And, um, he's a lot younger than me. He tells me, you know, we should do some virtual show or something. And this was when the pandemic first started. Yeah. And, uh, he's in Brussels, right? He's not in in Israel. He's in Israel now, but yes, he's he's based. He was in Brussels when we started. Now he's been in Israel for a while. Okay. But, um, But anyway, uh, he says, I said, man, you know what? Uh, We have we just brought Jose Blanco on our team, which is an amazing man with all kind with a world of knowledge, information. And Jose does the shit that I don't know how to do. I don't even talk with tastings and pairing. To me, it's a cigar. You like it. You like it. It's a cigar. People ask you, what's it made with? I tell them it's made with tobacco, you know, (laughs) old, old school. But so I said, man, this is a perfect time because Jose's locked down. He can't travel. And maybe we. And this whole thing started this way, started like this, and little by little, and the idea. I said, "Wait a minute, you know," I said, "We cannot promote cigars. This is not about cigars. We need to bring in families, people, people who have our philosophy, and and uh, and talk and you know, document these stories because I believe that if history is not documented, it would be forgotten forever." And there's so many Dons that come into this business, and I'm not criticizing anyone. And you see all the, and my father always said, you know, I used to, I mean, 30 years ago, 40. I said, Dad, look at this article. The cigar got this high review. This. He said, Galito, don't look at what, what the paper, you know, don't read that. Go see what you could do to make your cigars better. Right now, there's problems on the cigar floor. And if you're telling me, if you're spending your time reading about somebody else, you're, you're losing an opportunity to fix something that you're doing wrong. And he told me these words I never forget. He says, this is like another Orlando Padrón, uh, Jose Orlando Padrón analogy. He says, paper holds all the shit you put on it. <laughs> paper was made for. So don't forget about that. So anyway, I said, uh, you know, and, and it frustrates me. When it's, I, mean, I think it frustrates a lot of people who have gone through all these turmoils and sacrifices in life. To see, you know, so much stuff, everything, everybody who has been 150, 200 years in the business, everybody's been, they bring all the seeds from this, everybody's a Don, everybody's this. And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, you didn't even know who some of these characters were. But in that, and uh, Jeremiah and I speak, we got to bring the people who are really contributing a part of this because we have to document history. And we record it, and someday our grandchildren or somebody will hear these people's voices. Unfortunately, my grandfather passed away in 1973. There was all the equipment and technology. I don't, I, I can't hear his voice because he was never recorded. Right. And that mm. breaks my heart. I know yeah. that it, we have the recording of my father's voice and everything. But, and I, I said, and just like shows, for example, Benjamin Menendez, who I said, you know, he's just to hear his voice and hear his stories. And everybody has been on. And it's not about promoting cigars. It's about, promote, it's about, it's about sharing our values, sharing our life stories. It's, it's almost like learning by learning by the Michael Jordans of the industry, all of them. And, and this, is what, this has been our goal so forth. You know, we bring manufacturers. We bring in people who, who consumers might see them as competitors to us. But they're no, they're colleagues. They're part of our community. And it's, it's such a warm feeling because we all know each other. And there's so many more that will follow. We have a list of many, many people. We've, we've, I think we've had about eighty something shows already, and there's just much, much more to follow. And uh, Abe, you're going to be on the show next. Yeah. Week. So, it, I, mean, it, I just described I just described the, uh, you know, your position in our industry.
0: Well, I, I tell you what, if you haven't got enough of me and you today, we'll definitely have more <laughs> of us tomorrow. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, it's one of those things that you talked about values, and I, I got to tell you something because. You know, the mind is a funny thing because I got in this industry and, and you know, another dear friend of ours, you know, we've lost a lot of people over, over yes, the decades. Yes. But, you know, Sal, Sal Fontana was the guy who personally introduced me to you and a lot of other guys who, when I first got in this business. So I just remember being the, the, the young buck, <laughs> the new guy. Oh, who's that guy? We heard of him. Isn't he down in Florida? You know and always trying to pay homage and respect to everything that sal taught me about the industry and you know how it goes on and now and how i sit here and like i'm the old guy now right and, and you know I'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm that older generation now and but i see the new guys come in and it, you know it's just sometimes i don't see the same you know guys are selling stuff out of their gar- garages they're all about making the sale and, and sometimes it really breaks my heart because I, 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 we, I hope not to lose this community and understanding that you talked about and values. Um, but but I see a lot more of this new generation of, of younger guys who are just getting this industry and they're all about how can we make a buck. They're starting subscription services and they've never been in the industry. They're shipping stuff out of the garage. They're making up stories of brands. And um, I just hope we don't lose that because – Honestly, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about our industry. The fact of how we can be competitors and time and time again. And you just told many stories today how you talked about how, as even as competitors, we come to each other's aid in time of need and we work together because the people who really understand what it's about realize that in the end, we either all grow together on some level or we don't. And that's kind of, and that's what I've been taught. You know, over the last quarter of a century, that's so, so, true. so I mean, true. I mean, there's healthy competition. I have a lot of healthy competition with people who are dear friends of mine. You know, and 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 and, and there's just this respect that this industry has for one another, and I, not in, and I love it. I hope, I hope,
1: I hope we can keep it going for a few more generations to come in our industry. You mentioned a very powerful word, which I I believe in strongly respect. Uh, respect, respect where we come from, respect, be humble, respect our humble beginnings, respect all the sacrifice of all our colleagues, their families. And, but Abe, I have faith. I have faith in you. Maybe some, some of these people that you mentioned that we know are working out of their garage, you know, and they're young. They don't know that just, you know, for whatever reason they could evolve, you know, I was, I was I was the young kid that nobody knew in the industry. At one time, I was the youngest. I was the only one of my generation. There was no one in the industry. It was like people said it, it was like the hat business. Nobody's gonna wear hats anymore. And now you yeah. see how many people are wearing hats when you go to a big smoke or an event or one of your events. Uh, and there was there was no future. The writing was on the wall. Yet people evolve, people change, and uh, I have faith in the youth. And I, I tell you, we don't have a future if we don't have young blood coming into this industry, young creative people, uh, people who are, uh, and sometimes it's good not to have knowledge or and to be different because you bring a new, uh, perspective to the way we see things and we learn from each other. So I think that, you know, I remember that, um, you know, growing up, I grew up listening to D Martin, Frank Sinatra, you know, Mexican, Jorge Negrete, and all these different things. And Ella Fitzgerald, that was the music I heard in my home, Perry Como, you know, Andy Williams, And I remember the, the, the shock of, you know, the Led Zeppelins and the Janis Joplin's and everything. And I kind of, during that era, I was with my eight tracks listening to the four tops, to the originals, you know, to 10, I wasn't a drive-in, you know, fogging up the windows. I was not, you know, Led Zeppelin. But now at 60 something years old, now I'm listening to Led Zeppelin. I'm listening to, you know, Pink (laughs) Floyd, you know, all these things. So, Sometimes revolution is good. I have faith in the young people. I believe it's necessary. And uh, we need young entrepreneurs. We need people that have, that, that have the, the opportunity to live that American dream that you and I and all of us have lived and everything. But without opportunity, without, it's, it's impossible. And I'm just so grateful that we have been able to achieve what many people thought was impossible, was to to be able to get a judgment from a judge, you know, from a judge and be able to, uh, not, I I, I don't call it a victory, but it's to stay, uh, with the FDA right now, have some breathing room so that it gives an opportunity. Forget the past, who helped, who was involved, who wasn't involved, who accomplished what, and who was the one that was trying to get this thing through to eliminate all the competition. Let's forget that because we all know the reality of this, uh, I think now is the time for us all to come together and to protect and save our industry, to save the brick and mortar, the mom and pops who are the fiber of the back and the backbone of the greatest country in the world, the, the mom and pops, the one that don't you have arrive at eight, 8 a.m. and leave at 4 p.m. and have to punch in and punch out, but stay into whatever time it is cleaning up and fixing whatever has to be fixed. Uh, the ones that work around the clock and sometimes don't even get a salary because they're struggling, but they got to keep their business going. Those are the ones that I believe in.
0: Yeah. From your lips to God's ears, that's, that's, uh, that's the best hope. And, you know, you talked about the judgment and, you know, I've been saying all along, I said, look, that, that win was, it wasn't a victory, but what it is, is it's a beacon of hope. Right. I mean, it's like, it's possible to win. Right. I mean, that was, I mean, it it was, you know, it's possible, but, you're right, what this industry's got to do now is now it's time to have the full-court press, right? Is to keep pushing and, and hopefully we end up somewhere with our government that is a realm in which we all could exist and still exactly. and not exactly. be smothered to death by our own government. So that's where we stand on that. All right, well, that being said, let, let's let's read off these winners of, of these giveaways for all those who made a donation this week.
1: First of all, would you say so what, what are the prizes? I
0: don't know what the prizes are. So I'm I'm going to read it the way she numbered them. I think she had them listed on her page, unless you know what they were. But, you know, we just got involved in the first prize, and then it just grew like a monster. And all these other manufacturers started getting involved. So I'm reading the list the way she sent it to us. So I, I got one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, six winners. So I'm going to start at the bottom of the list and work our way up to the top. All right? This one just says the sampler, the Rocky Patel sampler prize goes to cigar man Andy congratulations okay, good. Man congratulations Andy. Andy great prize number 5 which if you go to um Melanie Cisco's Facebook page i believe she has a list of what each prize is she, it is
3: it is there it yeah. is there i see
4: yeah.
0: prize number 5 goes to Joshua Ulam congratulations wow. Joshua prize number 4 goes to Ulis Dekaya congratulations Ulis Ulas, you know Ulis what yeah, Ulas Ulas hey i do the point the coffee coffee That's man right. Uh, Who lost one? So there we go. Prize number three goes to Sherman Green. Congratulations, Sherman. Congratulations. Prize number two goes to somebody we all know very well here on KMA, personal friends of ours, Uh, the man himself in Kentucky, the Ash King, Mr. Randy Bush. Wow. And I think I remember prize number two, but don't hold me to it, but there was a very special person who donated, like, a whole rare Collections
1: that he Yes, if it's Steven Spector's, I mean, rare cigars. Yes, they go. Yes, original. If, if, if her of, listing
3: is correct, if her listing is correct, it's an open e- o- opus X sampler worth two thousand dollars. Yes,
0: that's it. So Randy Bush, that's what you just won. Congratulations! Oh, 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 oh buddy. And now, now there's a guy that will really appreciate that too, man. I'm going yes. to read the name of the guy who not only won. These two epic boxes. Epic. Epic boxes. But honestly, the most priceless prize of this whole contest, all right, the, a real official, have-been-worn-and-been-signed hat of one of the most legendary guys in our industry, Carlito Fuente Jr. That, that, that to me, is the – I have a little museum shelving up here that I've collected. I'll try to tilt it. Of all the stuff nice, over nice, the years, Nice, really cool stuff, there's a little – uh, uh, Carlito bobblehead up there, and all these cool things that I think historically will will bring back memories when I'm too old to remember them, I guess. So, this, so this is hat.
3: prize pack number one with the hat.
0: Yes, your hat is one of those items. So, the winner is Dimitri Peros. Wow, great, 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 great man, great supporter. <laughs> Congratulations, Dimitri Peros. That is the pack you won. That hat was signed by Carlito himself. And um I'll be we'll we'll get your information. Val, our producer will reach out to you or Melanie will get your shipping information it's in the cigars. And Melanie actually has in her possession Carlito's hat that she will get to you and um you know treasure it. It's gonna be great. Good stuff. So Carlito, look. That is awesome. Yeah, so a lot of winners. So it's a lot of good news today. Thank you for thank you Carlito. Thank, thank you, you bro.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, brothers. Thank you, all of you. And remember, real man wear pink, huh? Real man wear
2: pink. <laughs> real man wear pink. <laughs>
1: Real, real men wear pink. So, look, Carlito,
0: listen, I know you're a super busy guy, so honestly, I really do deeply appreciate the time when you take time out of your life like this to come share with us your family and stories and amazing things. So uh, what a what a great couple of hours it's been. Um, really, really. Awesome. Really an honor. Yeah, really been an honor. Thank you. And um, Thank you. I'd like to say I, I'll, I'll see you hopefully in February, but I'm going to see you tomorrow. So. Uh, I, we're going to switch chairs tomorrow and you can ask me all the pressing questions tomorrow.
1: Well, I wish you the nice. best, Abe. I wish you survived. I, I, I got through this one. I wish you luck tomorrow. <laughs> okay. You're, gonna, you're gonna, <laughs> Don't forget. It's not me going to interview. It's going to be the professor, the professor. Jose Blanco. Right. Well, we'll uh, all have a great time together. It's a great show. And it's, it's all about sharing life.
0: Yes. And man, props to my dear friend here, Alan Gofarb, AKA the pirate. Uh, who helped help navigate today's show and of course major representation in pink uh to uh next week we got another amazing uh cigar industry uh great uh we have ernesto perez carillo next week so that should be a good
1: show within itself as well if you give me one second i have one more thing i want to just add this is something new. yeah something new okay my brother alan goldfarb who i love dearly and and we we have a such a strong relationship together why he's nicknamed the pirate. The people don't know this, but, you know, he was a rock and roller. He uh, was in a band. He's got a big career in music and, all, and so forth. Huge. And, yeah. And uh, his best friend growing up, best friend played with him in the band and the music and everything. It's no other than my, my hero, Jack Sparrow. Yes, sir. Johnny Depp is his Definitely. best friend, and that's why I nicknamed him. And those are things we don't talk about. We shouldn't talk about and everything live because we keep uh, Mr. Depp's life private. But that is Alan's dear best friend is uh, the pirate himself, Johnny Depp. He's my favorite character of all time. I love this guy. He gets drunk as hell. He's got all the women. He dies every time, and he wakes up hungover in the beach, and he just goes on to the next girl. I love this. Guy. That's the life I want to live—the life of a pirate.
0: Hey, Alan really has an amazing history in and out of the cigar business. You can and do that's a, for another show. Yeah, you could do a show one day with Alan, just to let you
3: know. No, we've we've talked about we've yeah. talked about doing that. We we need to put that together, Alan. We got we got we
0: we we actually got Foghat. Uh, for the great smoke one year. And actually he helped put that right. together. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's got a, He's got a, he's got a great rich history in the, in the music business. So absolutely. Um, yeah. Very great. And uh, to everybody else, and all our fans out there, we hope you enjoyed this Saturday morning, spending the last two hours with our team and our special guests. We hope we uh, started your weekend off. Great. Try to enjoy the rest of it and uh, smoke some great cigars. We'll see you all next week. Keep it lit. Keep it lit, lit. everyone.
1: Keep it lit.